Welcome to another edition of the Adam Dunn Show. I'm your host, Adam Dunn. And I'm your co-host, Mitch Janasa. And we're joined at the, by the kid. What's going on? In the kid palace. Yeah. We moved to the other side of the room now. We got this comfy couch. Yeah, I figured you'd give a nice little comfy setup. We're going to be... We're all comfy now. Switching towards that, you know, general We're way moving towards more comfort as every show. Mm-hmm. It's going to be crazy. Let me just say this gingerbread latte though when it's cold. What are you gingerbread latte? I know I feel really. Where are your yoga pants, kid? Really flammable. Yeah, what's up with that? It's good, dude. Tastes like gingerbread. I mean, you. What do you mean? You drink like the cinnamon lattes all day. That's what this pretty much is. No, 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 no. That's got chemicals. That's not the same. It's a chemical dump. No, it's soy milk. I got soy milk, no whipped cream. That doesn't make the actual flavor cinnamon pure cinnamon pure pure garbage right there. Thanks, kid. Whatever. Adding a little quality to the show every yep. time. Class. Class. Classing it up. Uh, we got a pretty cool show. We got Breeder Steve. Breeder Steve. Breeder Steve. I had a very limited pre-interview with him. Just gave him some topics, and he was so ready for it. Nice. I, uh, I'm just like, well, let's do it live. Let's uh, do it live. So how was your you – you want to do week? Well, we yeah, let's have do week. We have to, week? have to do week. Yeah, Come yeah, on. Yeah. We can't just throw the, you every start idea with, we do to right. the wind now right. because you didn't want to do news. All how was your week, Ryan? All right, man. pretty good. It was man. good. If I called him the kid, he'd have a whole bunch to say. I call him Ryan. Yeah, no, it was he's good. All, he's uh, all adult we, now. Um, possibly found some new wholesale clients, so we're gonna have lots of wholesale rosin available. And I got some new press stuff in, and we're getting ready for Thanksgiving, gearing up. So, I mean, it's going pretty well. Looking forward to the hemp connoisseur coming up. So, my week was good. Good overall. Good. Mr. Dunn. Kilo's face is all. Let's see, done. what did I do this week? I had a class back in the last. Oh, another class. Do you give grades? No, dude, I'm like the, the worst teacher when it comes to like <laughs> actually doing teacher style, style stuff. I try to do the thing in the beginning, like, hey, you know, who are you? What are you doing? To do all that. And then the rest is just freestyle. Sure. You know, and then everyone passes, right? And of course, flying colors. So you're giving a test? I'll make, you know, well, I'll make it. No, no, it's not test. No test. No, of course not. No. Come on. What are you going to do? Gonna fail people. They're grow. You're going to fail them. It's like. The thing is, it, it, we we should do a little evaluation, maybe. Sure. That would be nice. That would be, be like, good. That would be good if I was a little more teacher-like. But I got, I got so much to cram in there. I know. It's not that I always run out of time. Talk. I always run out of time. I'm like, ah, we're out of time. We're out of time. Um, and I uh, went to see a Pixar movie yesterday with Nick. That was pretty fun. What was that? Which one? The Good Dinosaur. The Good Dinosaur. Which was pretty cool because every scene looked like you were in Colorado. So it looked like, oh, nice. you know, everywhere they're like the river scenes. And then That's they cool. pretty much it, it looked like they filmed don't it they here. Find, I mean, Colorado is one of the biggest states for like paleontology. And stuff oh, like that, right? well, I mean, we already so went fun. to Dinosaur. You, you remember we went to Dinosaur, dinosaur Ridge, Train. Dinosaur train. train. So now we get to go to Dinosaur Movie. It was pretty funny. There was Pixar. So, you know, like I said, it was like you, you literally as an adult going to a Pixar movie, like in the theater and cushy seats and really nice. And you're like. You definitely feel like okay, this is definitely wor- more worth it than going to see some other movie where, 
you know, it's like trying to be dramatic or whatever. And then like, you're just with your kid and you're laughing and you're, it's so, it's pretty cool. It's you cool. Know, you actually literally laugh. You cry. It's all those things. You're like, Oh my God, am I crying now to pick that a, a cartoon, you know? Like you and I look over at Cece and she's crying and we're both <laughs> crying. <And it's> like, <laughs> they make, I mean, they, they, the people at Pixar, I mean, cause it used to be Disney, but the people at Pixar, they know how to pull in your heartstrings with their movies. So they of can course. Make you laugh and, and they can make you cry. Well, that's easily. their whole deal. And the thing that's funny is, is like you recognize all the voices. So you're like, Oh, that's, like this, I know that guy, yeah. and and then even funnier. This is the best part: is that the the T Rex yeah. sounds exactly like Mike Dunafin. Exactly. Really? And you know how Mike everything yeah, he yeah. says is like a big da 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 da. Yeah. And it comes out like heavy. You're like whoa. He didn't say anything. What was the name of the movie? The good, good dinosaur. dinosaur. The good dinosaur. Yeah. And yep. so, and then like Cece looks over, she goes Donovan, and I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. And then it just made us. We just then we could stop. Then you couldn't stop there. <laughs> and we just laughed every time they talked. That's awesome. Um, Hilarious. Hey Ryan, don't forget to throw up Skype. Throw up. Don't forget to throw up. Oh, yeah, awesome. Are you guys show. chilling in a dorm room? Chat room yeah. says. Hey, well, yeah, pretty much. Pretty it's much. The kids' it's living the room. Kids' living room. That's about his dorm. Dorm room. Well, no, yeah, they're, they're, a house. It's more or less. This, this looks like a aesthetic. That looks like same. a cinder block. It's not. Oh yeah, it's not a cinder. Block. This is it's not a cinder table. block. It's that is actually a. Table they got a table that looks, that like, looks a like a cinder block. It's like that classy. I didn't even notice that 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 looked like that until you just pointed that out. I noticed yeah. it as soon as I walked <laughs> in. I was like, "There was cinder block table." Exactly. Nice All right, fire up. <laughs> if you can fire up Skype, we got Wolfie calling in in a bit. So, uh, so my week was interesting. I took my driving test. Today. Oh yeah, nice one. Did you pass the written uh, or the eye exam? I only did the written. I was thinking the eye exam. You might fail, dude. Actually. I saw someone else like totally fail the eye exam, and they that were sucks. like, "Yeah, that's not going to hold you back." I was like, "Really? Real? Wow. wow. Okay. Yeah, this chick couldn't read like the last five letters of the sixteen letter." Yeah, line. we don't need to see. Who so, needs to see when you're driving? No. So I, it's I got all feeling. I did the the written part today, and that was uh, it was interesting. Because stuff has changed. Like when we learn to drive, right? Why do you put your hands on the wheel? Ten and uh, ten two. Ten and two, of course. Well, obviously, you actually... I think it's, it's nine this. and three it's, now. It's knee. This is how you drive, obviously. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, knee and... Oh. Knee and, knee and my, knee. Ha- my hands are up here above the wheel. But yeah. but you're supposed to put ten and two. Um, but now it's nine and three. That makes no sense. I mean, that's a big difference. dude. The ten and two, like if I say, hey, Adam, I'm doing a little thing. It's going from 10 to 2. Come over. You're going to come over at two, n- noon, 12, 15, <sighs> yeah. eat, a, eat some food, party with everyone. If I say I'm doing something from 9 to 3, you're going to be like, is that a brunch thing? I don't want to show up at 1. There's not going to be any food left. I'm going to be stuck with like little pitas and vegetables. So there's a big difference. Huge difference yeah. between 10 to 2 and 9 to 3. Well, the thing is also, it's just like, uh, that's kind of like weird if you're on both sides of the wheel, like. Feel like you're Especially like, feel right. when you're built like that, the guy from Despicable feel, Me. Yeah, that feels Adam, like, look at this. I can't do this around a steering wheel. No, but that's like weird. That doesn't even make that makes it like that's like how you see somebody driving when they're like a little old lady or something and they're hanging onto the wheel like Lean both sides. Forget about it. It's ten and two. Yeah. So, so that was so that was your so that was your big week. Yeah, no. That changed. Why? Well, I, I did you get a photo? I had, I had photo? to study for it. No, 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 no. I have to pass the rotten. So now on uh, twelve on December fourth. Uh, that's not part of the test here. On Wait, Dece- what? You don't have to parallel park in Colorado? No. When was the last time you had to parallel park in Colorado? I've never taken a driver's test in Colorado. No, I mean in real life though. In all like time, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> not part of the test. You just, uh, what do you just like drive in forward and hit everything like trash cans and stuff <laughs> and just hope for the best? Is that the, your style? The the New Jersey driver test they have like a little course and you go like at the DMV to this little course and you do it. Colorado, it's an actual road test which I've never done before. Oh, no, that's how it was in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I'm a little nervous though 
Because my car smelled different when I took my first test. What? What? My car smells like weed. Oh, right. Yeah, you use your car? Well, yeah, you just use your car. Just in the car and just put your badge in the center console. And then if they ever bitch, it's like, I mean, even... It's a great way to pass. Well, it's the worst. Like, like even you go to the just post borrow office, somebody else's like, car. Yeah. Just borrow someone else's car. Borrow someone else's car. Whose car? Who? Nobody. That's a good not point. Not your van, not my truck. What? Not my... Kyle's 3000 G. Nothing. Nobody's car is going to Nothing. Be nothing. All the cars are fine. clips from that Skype. Yeah, I hear it. Well... Oh, oh let's, talk about, let's, talk, let's talk about CPU usage. Yeah, we got eight minutes to talk about CPUs. <laughs> CPU usage. CPU. Well, I mean, speaking of CBD, I just we, go ahead. I had yeah, a. Let's uh, hear about it. I was at Green Labs last night, and we had this new uh, testing for this new. I want to go to Green Labs. I want to go to Green. Check oh, they, out the green uh, actually, they had a DMV thing on yesterday on the thing. It was pretty funny. It was like uh, one of those little clips for the next movie coming out. Sure. But there was uh, the DMV was run by sloths. Uh. And so they're all just <laughs> <laughs> and so this like rabbit chick runs in and she's like she's a cop and she's trying to get it she needs to get a uh, run a license plate number so she runs up and she's like talking real fast and this law's like can I help you and it's like his expressions are all really slow and stuff Dude, it's, 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 it's crazy how s- I was observing that today was it slow or fast it was crazy how slow when I went there, it, was fast. it wasn't it's the Things were short. It was prompt, whatever. Yeah. But just like no one moves with any urgency. Oh, no. It's like they literally move as slow as humanly possible. Yeah. Well, that's kind of like the TSA. Whenever you're like really in a rush and you're trying to get through, they're like, they're all moving real slow. Well, no, that's for you. It works out fine for me. The and TSA. then they're always like, like you would expect them to understand that people are probably in a rush when they're going through the airport. A couple guys might be in a rush. Might happen. Especially the guy with DMV, the beard. DMV, you pretty much got to accept it. It's Check his it. stitches. That's part of the deal. You know, you yeah. go in, you're like, all right, I'm going to be here for a few hours. I, I was actually super stoked. Last time I went in, I rolled in, boom, 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 bam, I was out. I was like, that's you it? You make an appointment. Yeah, no, you, I well, I made that. the appointment, I and then that. I don't even want to talk about the inefficiency of the DMV, <laughs> but what was cool was during my wait, I was just taking mad practice tests. Cause I like That's the big difference between when I got my license and now is that- You actually you can, tried? No, you can go to Google and you'd be like, practice Colorado driver's test and just take 100 of them. They're all right there. And then you know all the questions. And it's pretty easy. Right. I didn't do anything. I, I just went in. Bam. Nailed just it. winged it. Winged it. And was that it. for the scooter license? No, that was a real license here. Did you have to take a scooter test? No. Or they just give it to you? They just give those to you. That's good. That's good. Here, kid. So we got Wolf Siegel calling in six minutes to kind of correct, uh, do a little retraction. Yeah, you, get, you, get, you get a little... He got us all excited and, and confused at the same time. Because I was confused. I was already like, really? That seems weird. That doesn't seem right. Yeah. Yeah. And then with the new explanation, it definitely seemed on point to this in the sense of, well, I mean, I was kind of bummed because I was hoping it was actually the other way around just because then I was thinking like, wow, that stuff's really more prominent than I thought. You know what I mean? But yeah, I mean, let me just say this. I, I have to mention this on the air. This Royal Ambrosia, where, what state are they from? Oregon? Yep. There's some, and, and it turns out it was a good friend of mine who's oh working God. it there. And I mean, that's already like a month and a half old, so. This is, uh, the scent on this, of yeah. this concentrated, I think it's BHO Shatter, right? On yeah. a dirty dabber is still one of the best things I've ever smelled a in my life. dirty dabber. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's got to like be a little just, dirty. It smells like I just smelled an orange. Smell that. It smells like it actually just smelled real orange. Hold on. Let me exhale the hit that I was having. Dirty dabber. It smells like a great fruit. Yeah. It smells really good. Yep. All right. So, I mean, it's so hot now that you'll never taste anything. Yeah. So just, good. Just so you know. 
800 I degrees. It takes, I figure it takes a while to get it to him. Here, you got plenty of time. Take your time. Chill, chill. out. Take your chill time. Out, chill out. I like that he puts it in his mouth like he's about to tie up his arm. Oh, yeah, you should tie your arm. Just yeah, yeah. tap yourself a few yeah. times. That's that's how you hold things. Yeah, rigs, rigs. A lot yeah. of rigs. And All right. Um, I guess I've never done... Heroin? I've never, I've never, <laughs> done, I've never done any... Any drug that doesn't involve smoking or eating, you know what I mean? Like I've never, I've never snorted about? anything. I've never oh, done yeah. any of that. Sure, it yeah. scares me to watch people put stuff up their nose, or like into their veins. Eh. Eh. Uh, if I could eject THC into my veins, I probably would. No, you I, wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. I got, I had to get blood. Oh, I got my blood drawn. Oh yesterday. yeah. So how'd that go? Yeah, that was. I mean, it was. Do you ever feel like I was? I was scared going down there, thinking like, oh god, they're gonna take blood. Because when I got a couple times when I've gotten it done, they've literally like just kept taking more and yeah. more and more and I'm like how much are you fucking going to take it at first it doesn't hurt at all but then after like the third one you're, well, you're like, almost right. out of blood you're like hey this is starting to hurt now but they, right, they didn't so do here's much. my theory I believe there's a secret cult of people who think they're vampires who yeah. work their way fight club style into every blood drawing organization yeah. and you're getting giving that's why I don't give blood so you're feeding the vampires I'm not yeah yeah, yeah. That's yop, yop. Well, anyway, I didn't really. I had to do it for insurance because I was. I getting, know, no, you got to do it. Getting life insurance. I know. Did they, I was going to give a shout out to those guys anyway, but good you're job. Gonna, you're going to give a shout out to life insurance? No, to those guys. Oh, those guys. Oh, no, no. Really no. The packaging is on point. The flavor is on point. Hey, there you go. Really impressed. Thank you. I even showed it to you when I first came back. He didn't say nothing. Yeah. No, so, it wasn't yeah, rosin. Did. No, it wasn't rosin. Yeah. You didn't care. You were just like, meh, meh, meh. It's not All right, you ready on the Skype? Three minutes, good. All right, hey Ryan, I got a question for you. What's up? Tell me about Breeder Steve. What do you know about Breeder Steve? I just know what you were telling me yesterday. I, so I, I was asking you some questions about him. I, I remember Sorry. saying he, great. So you've just, you, well, well, no. I mean, what? I've heard about him. I mean, I know him and Mark Rose are actually friends too. So I've heard Mark Rose talk about him a few times. He texted okay. me today to make sure that they gave the shout out to Breeder Steve, but. Um, I know he's, he, he what, created the Island Sweet Skunk. He actually, no, he, he corrected created, me on that. He created the Sweet Skunk, and then right. someone else made the Island uh, Sweet Skunk. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. okay. And then what was the other big strain that... that Blockhead, Blockhead, which recently got brought up on and Facebook and with a bunch tooth, of heavy... Well, general, Sweet Tooth yeah. also, yeah, yeah. And uh, Shishkaberry. Right? Shishkaberry is the other oh, big really? one. That should be oh, Wolf Siegel. There it is, Mr. Siegel. Pull the trigger again. <laughs> Which Welcome side? to the Adam Dunn Show, Mr. Siegel. Why, thank you. Uh, how am I on sound? Sound levels. Excellent. Sound fantastic. Perfect. Right? Yeah, better Very than good. normal. Okay. Well, that's because he's calling in from the Skype. So you're, you're calling in from a computer, aren't you? Yes, I am. Which is I, uh, so much I better audio. Than yeah, it works so much better. Yeah, we have people calling from the cell phones all the time, and you can hear the static on their end, and it sounds, uh, it sounds really hissy on our end. But yeah, your audio sounds great right now. Very good. I uh, I just here a week or two ago was at a rummage sale and found a set of the NFL sideline uh, commentator headphones and mic. <laughs> nice. Is that what you're Some on right books. now? Uh, the big big fat things. Yeah. Well, big big ear big ear pad. Um, but the the, the boom and everything yeah. are really cool. Great built-in windscreen and interesting arm. You can flex it pretty much however you want, and it, it does it. Nice. So I figured um, I'm going to correct what I said wrong last time, and then depending on whether or not you want it, I wouldn't mind talking a little bit about full spectrum um, versus uh, anemic light diets. So here's what and, I got for you, Wolf. I got okay. 16 minutes before Breeder Steve calls in, so okay. whatever you can make happen in 16, I'd love you to unload That'll your work. brain on us. 
cool, cool. And um, of course, I I meant to and have forgotten. When could you guys be on my show? When do you? How often do you do your show, bud? Uh, I'm weekly. I I record Thursdays at four at um three o'clock Pacific, so four o'clock you guys. Um, and then we run it the following Wednesday at five Pacific. Oh, that's cool. You're like back right to after back, our back show. To back. That's oh, great. Oh yeah, I I know people who they look forward to Wednesdays because it's us. Nice. That's we should yeah we should definitely make that more formal. Um, yeah. That t- well let's talk offline and we'll figure out a okay. way we can make it work. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. So with that said. Bring in your correction on the Northern Lights story. Okay. Um, after we got done last week, Greg M. contacted me, and I guess he sent you guys a thing, too, and he corrected a number of mistakes that I had made. <laughs> a and number of first, mistakes. F- first, I want to apologize. I've got um, a neuro thing going on that's making my brain misfire. Um, unfortunately, that's going to get worse for until it's done. Um but uh, he said that I should understand that there was actually a number of Northern Lights. He was running it as the Northern Lights Seed Company, and there were a number of different numbers of Northern And he took the whole series over there. Right. That's kind of – well, because I always assumed there was a number two and number five and over that was right. prominent over there. Number one also that was prominent. Um Maybe when we'll talk when, when in the future we'll get that hopefully broken down and see which, sure. which actual. So, did you get any insight into what the the cross? Okay, on- the cross he said was a Hawaiian, um, Afghani, and the Afghani because he, he mentioned the guy's name, which I can't pull off the top of my head, but I know that the guy got his Afghani for, as a Calgani. So mm-hmm. that part of it was accurate, but it was the Hawaiian um, rather than the Northern Lights. There's another one in that se- or rather than the Matanuska, uh, 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 right? But there's another one in that series that I'm positive is that cross. But again, Greg could correct me, so I'm going to check with him because the people who know are Greg and Herbie and Neville, <laughs> and and I can pretty much, except for Herbie, who I still am working on getting his new number. Um, except for Herbie, that's the people I go to to ask about the old strains because they mainly know. Um, something else, now that I've corrected that, and to anyone that I misled, I do apologize for that. We had started out last week, we were, we were going to talk about organic, and one of the things that I was hoping I'd get a chance to talk about is the importance of full-spectrum lighting versus what I refer to as anemic photonutrition, which is their light diet. Um, Even the maker of the most popular double-ended HPS 1000 out there recommends that you add an extraordinarily expensive light-emitting plasma one-for-one with their HPSs in order to fill the spectrum out. Um, Now, they don't acknowledge that you get a higher yield, but the reason that you will frequently get a higher yield with full-spectrum lighting is that all your microflora and microfauna are getting the light they need, so they're better able... You're not sterilizing the top-inch layer of your soil with infrared, and um, what you're doing is th- there are bacteria that actually live within the plant right below the surface that are part of the photoreception process. I just learned about that one pretty recently like someone sent me uh, a book and I started reading and I went ooh I didn't know that hmm. but um which is happening all the time I, 
I hope I'm going to learn till the day I die. Um, but this was uh, real interesting. And then the, um, the, the natural light, another thing that it does is it's got an element of UV. If it doesn't have some UVA, some UVB, and possibly even a tiny bit of UVC, what's going to happen is the spores that are responsible for fungal issues won't get killed reason you see a lot less of it all summer and then as things get cloudy it goes away less available uv and yes i know that in the summer cloudiness increases uv but where you've got heavy like dank clouds to, let me rephrase that dark clouds um that happens you, you end up not having as much uv and uh you end up with your mold issues this is just a little bit further into the outdoor thing than than where well, you're it's getting also like using, development. It's like using UV light to kill bacteria. It's the same thing. I mean, it's just like right. you it, can use it in, a, in just, like a as a wand and and walk around a room and you know treat PM and issues like that. That actually, when you're doing it, when you watch somebody doing it, you're like that can't work, but it does. You know, what I mean, it really works. Oh, yeah. and, and so for sure, I could see that. Uh, well, and, it's, it's con if it's in the light yeah. uh, constantly, then it would be never even an issue. And it, um, there's some things that people don't think about unless they're really into light that are differences in light. And I'll, uh, um, I, I kind of, I think I want to give the, the recommendations first because we are somewhat limited on time as far as what I'm going to be available for. Um, and that's if you're running HPS right now and you don't want to totally switch to another lighting system what you should do your least expensive way to supplement is throw in for every other hps throw in a pair of the cmh 4200 4, color temperature or some of the induction uh, the, the indigo induction lights or there's a uv puck now from a company called it's a uv led puck from a company called amari throw those in there but but get it so you've got full spectrum so you've got healthier plants because if you're as we did last week as we talked about in the organics or the guys that did talk about organics your, your probiotic processes your, your natural processes they, they do require that you give them natural light. Why, why, why go organic soil and inorganic light? Right. Um, so I did mention all of them. My personal favorite at this point is uh, the ceramic metal halides, but over on Time for Hemp, we're about to start running um, a pair of four-foot tents. One is going to have four plants. One is going to have six plants. The reason that we're doing it that way is medical here in Oregon is limited to six adult plants, and the uh, recreational is limited to four. We want to give people a chance to see a bunch of different techniques, so we're going to try to run six gardens a year uh, for two years. We're starting out with the little ones, but we'll go into how you can do scrogs and the equivalent of sea of greens except that they take longer so let's say scrogs sideways scrogs with longer life um sativa and sativa dominant strains so we're going to play with techniques another reason we're starting out at the level we are is 
this thing that's going on with corporate cannabis, every place that it's getting legalized and corporate cannabis is coming in, where it has the potential to be this incredibly useful, helpful thing that does it for all of us. Unfortunately, in the states which have legalized, we're seeing medical cannabis and the patients suffer for it. So the best thing you can do is grow for yourself. Then you can count on when you find the strain that works for you, there it is. Um, you can count on that nothing unnatural has been put into it. And we're going to try and show how patients, for instance, that are in wheelchairs can grow for themselves and have it be within their physical capabilities. And I know that's one of the things you guys are super oriented to is helping people to grow their own and, and you know, basically getting some independence for themselves. So... I'm looking forward to it a lot. I, I'm, I love to grow, and I've got enough things where other people are growing that I go and help them with. It'll be nice to throw one, actually two, in the one room and get the other room set up for, uh, for the future because we've got some stuff going on and more technologies coming in. What, what lighting are you going to be doing in those tents? On this one, I expect to be doing the Indigo with the pontoon that, that uh, is the thing that they've got a far red trigger the 730 to trigger the 660 nanometer um red photosynthesis so that um and then the other will probably be chris chris peiser at chameleon has indicated that he would be willing to let me use one of his 500 watt leps with uh red supplementation that's the um solar genesis model of his um, and I'm looking forward to trying that because these are two technologies that, you know, I, I look at, the, I tend to be cheap. So I look at, at an SPD and depending what's coming out of it and what the units are going to cost, I try to put people into what gives them the most bang for the buck without loss of RO, without loss of return on investment when it's, here I go, corporate. But I use what I do with them to finance what I'm able to do for patients. I, I carry a four-patient load, except that it, as of the first, I'm going to have to drop a couple because I just can't afford to do it. Um, but I let my consults finance what I can do for little people and, and for patients who just can't do stuff and can't afford stuff. So it, uh, it works out pretty well. It lets me grow, and that's what I like doing best. Uh, I better not tell my old lady that, but growing <laughs> is the thing that I like best on earth. So uh, <laughs> we got about five minutes left with you. Uh, I want to ask you this, Wolf. You got any questions okay. for Breeder Steve? I do. Um, ask him if he has heard of and maybe knows where 12K is because it's the only strain that I absolutely I, I want to get that one back so bad because that was the sea of green strain. And the other one that I'm really liking um, is the and Daddy Purple. The Go ahead. No, no, sorry, that was just clipping. We we had just some audio clipping there. Oh, okay. There's also um, this one of the phenotypes of Granddaddy Purple, as as it fills out the the buds under Scrog and under Sea of Green look kind of like a, a the barrel of a Seguro cactus. They're just you know these solid, and, and they make really beautiful candelabras. So I'm hoping that I can find that. That was the granddaddy purple from, call it, six or seven years ago uh, up in Oregon. I don't know. I think it was probably down in Cali a little ahead of that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but I'd, I'd love to find some of that if someone's been, especially if someone's got it nice and stabilized now, because I love stable strains. Not a lot of those going around. Uh, there, there's a couple. There are a couple. There's a steady G13 here in Oregon uh, that is a continued, un, continuous, dogs, stop it. That is a continuous unbroken line going back to when it came down from Seattle uh, 30 years ago. So it's it's for sure by now stabilized. Um, <laughs> I would hope because it keeps coming out the same. Um, that's the only one that I can think of that's around town. I've got the 2002 Z7 that's been bomb-proofed. I'm going to breed it a couple more times to be sure it's stable before I release it. Um, but for Steve, I guess another one would be how does he feel about auto flowers and feminine, feminized and their effect or potential effect on the genetics down the line? I think that's a really good question. I will pass those along. Well, thank you. Is this breeder Steve doing feminized? I don't know. We're going to find out. Okay. We're going to find it all out. And uh, I want to thank you for calling in. As always, <laughs> Wolf, we definitely want to talk with you offline about coming on your show. Absolutely. Let's make it a re- If we, bro- I didn't even realize we're broadcast the same day. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it's like um, I go into a number of places up here in Oregon, and they, they say, man, like w- walking around today, they, they liked me on both shows. They said, when are you going to have those guys on mine? And I said, I'm going to ask them. I meant to last time. So, um, I think it's going to be fun. Um, just, if we're broadcasting same day, we could just do a. At that point, we could just do a crossover episode. Essentially, of course. Well, but he records his beforehand. Yeah, I record so, mine a week in advance. But what we so could do we is could figure do out where we're going to go with it, and and do it that way. Yeah. 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 We could sure. do a crazy crossover. Yeah, it'd be really fun. <laughs> um, I like crossover. the challenge of that. Yeah, yeah. Freaky Friday crossover. Um, right on. Well, let's let's talk about that in the near future, Wolf. We got Breeder Sounds Steve good. calling in in two minutes here. Outstanding. Uh, tell him I said, oh, I know what else. Ask him if he'd be up for doing a panel with Kyle and DJ and some other people this spring. Yeah, I'll, I definitely will ask him about that. Uh, and Wolf, if you could hop in the chat room and please hype your show, man. Uh, post the link. Everyone who's in the chat room, know that on Facebook, there's now an Adam Dunn Show group where Wolf is very active. I'm very active. We post a lot of the links and the references from the show. After the show today, I'll go through and post a bunch of stuff. So join up with that group in Facebook as well to be able to see some of this stuff. Okay, the chat room is where? I, I, I AdamDunnShow.com. At AdamDunnShow.com. That'll work. <laughs> There you go. Just go to adamdunshow.com and it's right there. (laughs) Okay. um, I will do that. I should be able to be here for a bit more and then um, I have to take off for an appointment. But I will jump over onto the chat line. All right. Thanks, Wolf. We'll see you there. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Cool. The old Wolfster. The timing's perfect, man. Breeder Steve in one minute. Bam. Timing. Unbelievable. What could go wrong? Kid. Ready. I don't know. Something's going to go wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Something's about to go wrong, kid. Get off your phone. Ready when you are. Boom. Bam. Message sent. Message sent. Okay, so the other thing. Okay, what else are we going to talk about? What else are we going to talk about? What are we going to talk about with what? Uh, With beer Steve. Oh, yeah, shout outs. Can we do that? We got shouts to do. I hate doing shouts when someone's calling in. Well, uh, no, because you just don't know how to handle it. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Go ahead. You don't go know ahead. how to handle it. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Do the shelves. <laughs> <laughs> big, big shout out to Way to Grow. 
our number one sponsor since day one. Adam, you haven't done the shout out in a while. I, I haven't. was doing them so well because I was here by myself for a while. What? Two, well, I was here last week. Come on, guys. It's true, you were. Back. I was here, and I think I, I think I even handled it for you. Do it again. I will. Uh, seven locations, all over the state, and uh, my favorite, of course, Platte River, ten fifty one Platte River. That's the twenty thousand square foot brand new facility with pretty much everything you need. Especially they have a, a concentrate corner, so if you're in the game and you need a new oven or something like that, bam, they got it. I know people have literally gone down there, got a cascade oven. Like walked out the door with it, and yep. you know that's. So we did a dark horse, pick one up, walk out. Exactly, and that's you know a lot of these other places. You pay like, for it first, though. You, you all have do. To you have it. to pay for I it. I mean, you could try to steal, but those things are fucking heavy. So good luck. Good luck, yeah. Uh, and when you do it, though, yeah, you know, you just say Adam Dunshow, and you'll get twenty. At least you get you'll, you'll get twenty five percent off. Steal then, you know. You might as well just say Adam Dunshow because then. You then you're talking steal. about thousands of dollars of discount. Yeah. Uh, right now they're doing a Black November sale, so hitting them up for some Hydrozyme thirty five percent off and worm castings and plus a bunch of other stuff. They have a whole list because I went yeah. by the other day. When you go in the store, they, they got the end caps. Got the end caps. What are they calling it? They're, They're calling even doing it something different on that. Anyway, thing. go in there. Oh, you'll just, see it. Just and, and of course, big big shout out to grab all the candy. Edibles. We have this. Is, that's the transition. The candy. Yeah, candy. I you always, transition. You got to do the trans candy, candy transition. Up. Relax. Yeah, slow down. How's the candy? Cats. The kid, and then the kid says candy. Ooh, and he gets excited. They had Kit Kats, you know. and if you want, oh, they had Kit Kats. They're upgraded. Oh man. Kit Kat looks like you get the Incredibles peanut butter booty because it's the same snappy. Oh yeah, transition. Look at that. Kids killing it. Bam. All right. So Incredibles. Is that an Emmy award winning transition? Emmy award winning. I think it was actually. Yes, it is. I believe I'm. Going to be going to be going up against them in the hem connoisseur too. So I'm, I'm um, steep competition. Ooh, up against them. You're never going to win. <laughs> Their stuff's great. It is. But the stuff I put in is fire. All right, better be. All right, let's see, fireman. Um, actually, got a bunch of uh, incredible flavors. I had tried the pumpkin the other day. It was awesome. How was it? Oh was my it god, it was yeah. so good. Oh, fuck, so good. It was like <laughs> I was. I was like, I didn't really want to eat it because I was like, oh. No. But I just had like just a piece, you know. Which you, do, you don't, and it was cool too because I ate it at the end of the day. Had a piece, Cece had a piece. I was like, man, this is like bomb right there. And you know, I wasn't trying to get high or anything, but definitely next morning when I woke up, I was like, oh yeah, I slept. That's why I slept so nice. I was like, that's what worked so good. But no, those things were so tasty, dude. Like hell, yeah. I, well, I walked in at the perfect time, like right when they were just it was like everyone was going home, like oh we get to you know, try one. I'm like oh hell yes, yeah, yes, I'm, all I'm in there. But uh, plenty of other flavors on top of that though. Oh yeah, for everybody, something for everyone. Strawberry, blueberry, peanut butter, walnuts, bananas, raspberries, bananas, dark chocolate, coffee, peaches, cookies <laughs> and cream. So many flavors. Sounds like you work there. They got everything, man. So check them out, IncrediblesColorado.com. Um, and look for them in your local medical and recreational dispensaries. Yes, sir. Yeah, they're the Big, bombs. big shout-out, of course, to Build the Soil. Is that where you're going next, kid? Sure. Yeah, sure. yeah you got to build the soil to make the rosin, or make the resin to make the rosin to make the Incredibles. To, it's a big sure. process. It's a whole process. Whole process. And it's good to start out with the bomb material like yeah. Jeremy's got over at Build the Soil. And if you missed uh, Jeremy's recent episode, was that last week? Yes. Just last week. Yeah. Uh, he went through some of the history of organics. Uh, as a we kid passed out. Yeah. No, I didn't. Yeah, he did. Would you find it engaging? Oh, okay. Gave know. out just a lot of great resources. Oh, no, you were bouncing in your chair material. like a fucking retard. That's what you were doing. <laughs> <laughs> that was what was going. I remember. 
We got excited this time. I used oh, that word boy. the other day. Oh, my God. Time, I shouldn't have used that word. Well, don't use it when there's a bunch of people around that really are. <laughs> there was only one person. It was just the one wrong person to say that word in front of. Oh, really? really bad. Yeah. There's always that one wrong person. Sorry, whoever that wrong person yeah, was out there. Really bad for you, I, whatever. I, I, really I use it. I, I, there's some comedian I saw recently or listened to recently, and he nailed it. He just, like, he put it out there where you're like, okay, that makes sense. Because he just... No, I'm not going to go into it. Live organic soil, living soil, no-till soil, everything you need to make uh, your own no-till soil. What is going on here, Skypey? No, I just hovered over Skype. Oh, you hovered over. I thought I saw blinging. Yeah, I'm actually going to reach out to Breeder Steve again and see if he's ready to call in. We're ready to receive for sure, right? Well, we haven't done any of the other ads. I know, I know, but we're ready to, to, you know, to bring him on. do the yeah. rollover. Uh, uh, so anyway, build a soil... Also got a new place they're moving into. So yeah, he's moving into his new warehouse. They're now they're mixing and storing all the soil indoors, and they're having the storefront separately. Yep. Um, it's definitely growing, uh, no pun intended. Obviously, it's working. People are buying it. She's shipping all over the place, doing huge greenhouses, doing grows. Yep. You know. Um, what can you on. say? What can you say? Simplify your life. Simplify your life. Well, it's, you know, you do a little bit of work on the front and then it takes care of itself with just water. That's last, uh, a lot of people doubting the yields in organics can check out last week's episode as well. We went into some of, uh, some of the possibilities for that. Um, let's keep it moving though. Big, big shout out to Dark Horse Genetics. Dark Horse Colorado is up and running. They're putting out extracts. Um, some, they're putting out the kids extracts as rosin. Cosine. Whatever he doesn't leave stuck to the uh, counter. The floor. That stuff's sticky. Of course, also putting out AU extracts right now. Um, and Dark Horse hoodies. Let's talk about those. There you go. Show that off. I got one. Kids got one. They're hoodlum hoodies, but they're cooler than, than the regular Adam hoodlums. And they're, they're cooler than my hoodlums? Yeah. No, they're not. Yes. They have, they're custom. Uh, well, yeah, whatever. That makes them cooler. All right. There you go. <laughs> They're custom. <laughs> Check them out. DarkHorseGenetics.com. Also, JawFarm.com. Seed Bank uh, just picked up archive seeds. There's a few packs left. Hop on there. Check them out. Uh, you can get there right through the DarkHorseGenetics.com site. Big, big shout out also to Elite Cannabis. And, our fo- and obviously, they're good partners at Mary's Nutritionals. If you need CBD anywhere in the country except for Florida and the Western District of Pennsylvania, they will ship it to you in the mail at the same price that it costs us in Colorado. Uh, you pay for shipping. We pay tax here, though. So at the end of the day, it costs you probably cheaper. It's like 25% tax. Yeah, um, those things ain't that big. The, that Elite CBD Remedy Oil right there on the right, that's the oil that you can put two drops. I've seen it used in my presence, they put two drops under the tongue of a child who was having a seizure. It happened on our show. And it, stopped. it stopped the seizure. That oil, that bottle right there. You can buy it on the internet. If you know people, who, you might not need this stuff. You're listening to Adam Dunn's show. You, maybe you care about medicine. Maybe you don't. But you probably know someone who does or know someone who knows someone who's looking for this. Who's going to buy a ticket to Colorado to try to come to the store to buy this stuff. Yeah, save them. Move ass. here or whatever. Right. You don't need to do it. Just buy it. Five hundred milligrams of pure CBD oil is a steal. It's a great price, and it's so effective. Their stuff is always quality. You're never getting, you know, crappy CBD paste from China. Yeah, it's no, it's all legit here. Yep. Bam. And Bam. That's it. Or no? End day. End day. On day. What do they say at the end of the day? On day. 
Yes, silent movies. Okay, silent so uh, movies. where's our boy? What's up? Uh, he probably tried to add us on Skype, kids. See if he did like a ad request. No. Michael did, but not. Michael did, but not. Not Bridge Steve. Steve. Whoa. So, uh, dead air. Dead air is dead what's air. happening. Yeah, yeah. Kid, this is what you're here for, kid. This is your Talk. home. This is your turf. This is your caffeine. turf. You're supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, where's your, where your yerba know, mate? Drank, what's going on? I drank half this pumpkin spice and then it got and cold. Then, and then you got oh, wait, 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 the gingerbread or pumpkin spice? Yeah, Did you get it mixed? No. And so your you your chemicals some? have no. now separated from the coffee, well, and, and you're now just, noticing that now it's it just tastes like I'm drinking a cup of gingerbread. Like it doesn't taste like the you can't taste the warm milk, oh. which I got soy. Poor kid. Why'd you get soy? Because you can't taste the difference in a latte, and it's better for you. Mm. Where'd you hear that? Well, I mean, humans aren't supposed to be able to technically drink milk. Right, you got that from Adam. I know that. No, but I know that's for a fact. You're not you're, you're supposed to be lactose intolerant. Yeah, but you know, do you know about isoflavones and soy? Mm -mm. Hmm? See, I don't even use soy anymore. No, yeah. we just use no milk. Fuck it. No, no I'll hemp milk. I got I'll do I gotta, almond milk, hemp milk. But I'll do real milk. I just, so I, 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 I'll drink real milk. So you'll drink real milk. I don't give a shit. I like yeah. real milk. Mm, sure. See so if it's shit. from good cows. Good cows. Yeah. yeah. But you just want to eat the cow. I eat the cow. That's, that makes sense. You could, you could like have a cow. You could like live with a cow, have it, drink its milk, and it won't be a There's Bridge Steve. There he is. There he is. Welcome to the Adam Dunn Show. Oh, we got photos up. Bam. Hey, welcome, guys. How are you? We're good. We're How's great, it going, man. Steve? Good. good. So we, we had sort of our pre-discussion the other day uh, and covered some of the topics, and obviously... We've been reaching out for questions, and the questions are piling up for you. Um, but I want to I want to go back and and talk about sort of for some of our younger listeners, let's say uh, your history with with cannabis and and how you came to to be known as Breeder Steve rather than like Grower Steve or just Steve. <laughs> That's a fair question, and I want to just tell you, Adam. I just stepped out for a bowl of chocolate chunk. Oh, nice one! Nice one. <laughs> Organically grown from the Kootenays. Anyways, yeah, when I started, you know, I started smoking pop when I was 14. And started growing it when I was 18, just for myself. And at the time, you couldn't get seeds or cuttings anywhere. You couldn't order them, really. Um, so you saved whatever you came across that you liked. If you were smoking and found a few seeds, you'd save it, right? So I remember I kept about 2,000 seeds of Jamaican um, brickweed that we'd had that was decent herb and had them all started at a friend's parents out in the country and his mum would water them we had them all little four inch pots and after you know about a month or so we could start to sex a few and there was one outstanding female in the lot and I said I just want one of the plants and I took that one and then put it in a big hole of organic uh, compost and the bone meal and all the goodies and uh, let that grow out in the bush and it was just a beautiful plant and I was totally hooked because you couldn't get anything to compare to what you could grow fresh if you really took your care to do it nicely you know sure. so it was just a matter of satisfying your head and then after that the following years we started saving some seed off every plant or every favorite one you know and just 
tag in the bottom branch with an envelope of pollen and just enough to make a film canister or two. And so eventually I started sharing the seeds with people and helping them grow their own. Everybody wanted to buy some off you and you didn't want to part with it because you couldn't replace it. And uh, I said, I'll give you 20 seeds and one page instruction of how to go plant your own next spring and get more people doing it themselves. So it was, uh, it grew from that to in Vancouver, where I'd moved later, I'd started out in Ontario. I'd moved to BC later, largely because I'm a pothead, but also because I like the ocean and mountain stuff. And really went to town collecting around around Vancouver's real crossroads of genetics. And uh, around what year was this, Steve? That would have been '94. So for sure, huge. That was like the hub of cannabis right then, right? That in Amsterdam were... Yeah, I guess yeah. so, really. At 94, it was pretty much a hot spot. And Emery had got busted selling seeds, and I hadn't dealt with him at that point before. And I went down and just donated, you know, when he got back out or whatever, opened a shop. And I just went down and said, here's a few film canisters of seed. I know you don't know what they are, but just a donation, whatever. Take it if you like it. <laughs> So then later I talked to him and he said, those things are used, they're like coconuts. You gotta bring us some more. They were well received, you know. So then I just started, you know, growing seed crops. Before I was really just growing for my head. And uh, I wasn't interested in the pound business and that's um, more just about quality, you know, for personal use. So growing organically or aquaponically and just trying to do the best you could for yourself, you know. And uh, as became a thing that the seeds were popular, I thought, well, it's easier to grow seeds for the world than to grow pot for the whole world, <laughs> you know? And now, of course, there's many seed companies. It's wild to see. Um, yeah, that was pretty much in a nutshell how it came to be. So, yeah, that's. I mean, it's, it's also funny because it was like the, the timing, if you think about 94, I mean, that's when we had CIA and we were still, we were just like kind of... CIA! That's from... The hell, man? Yes, that's... You the, fed? Yeah, that's so. That's when I was running the running the CIA, dude. I wasn't. I wasn't fucking around. I wasn't <laughs> running the whole. Running the CIA, but you remember that? No, and it was just funny because we were like definitely the two, the definitely the two hot spots. Vancouver was like like, and there was that moment in time like right around ninety five, right when we because we, we closed our thing and moved on to the to the other spot, and I was kind of contemplating. I was like, man, I, I don't. I went to I went to Vancouver, and I was like, this place is pretty damn cool. Like I was ready to. I was borderline ready to move there, you know what I mean? If, it was like, huh, because if Holland didn't work out, I was like, well, at least I know there's another spot because this is definitely uh, uh, felt at home within the being there for like three days. I was like, all right, I think I could live here. <laughs> this is a good spot. Yeah, yeah, you know what? The weather's about the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think it's more, you know, we have more nature there. That was all, that was what I was missing. I was like, went back and I was like, oh, this is, you got a little bit more access to uh, out of the city for, because that was great. That was the thing about it, Holland. So, uh, Steve, you uh, you started. You kind of told us about how you started breeding, how you came to breed. Uh, now, we had also discussed your theory on breeding, and you said, "Oh, I can go on about that for hours." So, uh, <laughs> here's your chance, boss. Uh, I mean, how did you select your starting stock when you started? What did you learn about that in the process? Well, I really just sifted through as many possible things as you could find and grow in even comparison side by side. And as a head grower, 
I was generally less concerned with the heavy plants and more with the tasty plants and the headiest plants, you know. So I really went for aroma and flavor over yield. But when I came up with the seed company later, I realized 80 to 90% of the seeds you sell are the heaviest ones. So there is, you know, most people that buy seeds are growing pot commercially. So they want to buy the best yielding stuff, not necessarily the headiest stuff. So... Yeah, it's always, it's, it's always frustrating when people are like, when you tell somebody something's 10 weeks and they're like, freak out. You're like, what? It's fucking two months. So another weeks. week and a half, then you normally, you're going to, yield's going to be better and it's going to taste better. You know, it's just like, that's kind of when all the magic's happening in the plant. You know, it's like, if you go add an extra, especially when you sell somebody's like a 90 day plant, they're never going to do it. You know what I mean? They're just like, nope. You know. Yeah, there's, and what most people think of as done is, as you know, probably a week or two from being done. So. Yep. Yeah, yeah, obviously, everybody picks stuff a bit early. Not everybody, everybody, but most of the pot out there you see is usually not quite done. Steve, how long do you take it? Well, it depends on which right. one, but I'd like to see the leaves really fade and drop and the calyxes be as swollen as they get. Right. Um, it's more just seeing that phenolic ripeness where the plant is dropping its leaves and it's curling up and you're seeing more gold than green, that's when I like to take it, you know? Yeah, and it's peaking out. It's really peaking out. And the thing is, it's uh, yeah, it's hard because people just really always want to turn over, turn over, turn over, and it's like, or if one plant's done, they'll just take the whole room, you know what I mean? And it's like, oof, kills yeah, me. When, yeah, if one bud looks good, they cut the whole plant. But often, <laughs> you know, inside there's room. no advantage to big plants because and even in greenhouses, nothing, the light doesn't get through the canopy. Grass is really well grown as a canopy, like hemp style, with uh, without the branching. If you're not constrained by plant numbers, of course, yeah. you know. Once they put quotas on it, it tightens tightens up the efficiency. You can't do it quite the same, you know. But uh, it shades out the weeds if it's grown in a field sea of green style, you know. It's tight. It's only the top canopy gets any resin and gets any sun. Everything that would be underneath the bottoms are the bottom. Wood that you grow, the hemp is just wasted time, especially the indoors or greenhouse. You know. Yeah. So, Steve, we want to catch up on, uh, you know, in pasture selection period. Uh, your methodology on breeding. A lot of people like to take things out to F four and then start their back crossing there. F three and start their back crossing there. Where? What do you? How do you go about it? We talked to Mr. Soul, and, and he just kind of just BX'd over and over. Uh, BX until he felt like he had an IBL right from the start. Didn't do any filial crosses. Um, how, how do you go about it? Well, I try and do a little bit of both, depending on um, what the desired outcome is for that line. The traditional breeding involves keeping at least two lines out of the filial generation. So that you, after three generations, instead of having them get inbred, you can put them back together and then draw two more lines out. Whether it's two females and one male, or one female and two males, there had that's you got to divide at some point to keep them from getting too inbred, right? Right. And right. Traditionally, they'll over and over do three generations filial in you know a left and a right line, and then they'll cross those back together. And they'll keep doing that for a long time. But there's, if the goal is, like when I did, um, 
the sweet tooth. The F1 was half grapefruit, half blueberry, but the goal was to make a grapefruit seed, and I just had to choose something as a backboard, and then I I continually made filial generations of it, but at the same time, I was also making backcrop generations of it. By the time I'd done three backcrops for the grapefruit, those seeds were essentially stable grapefruit seeds, and it was quite neat to see. Um, possibly the second homozygous strain, you know, next to stuff number one. That's what uh, Dave Watson had told me one time. He says, why did you do the, when I first met him, he said, why did you make the sweet two three homozygous? And I said, because there's so little out there to choose from that's stable for other people to use as a backboard for their favorite moms, you know? Absolutely. Really making polyhybrids, you know, it's hard to be accurate in getting the outcome you want unless you're dealing with something stable. And then it's quite simple, right? So how would so, you how might you go about working with some of these polyhybrid lines if you were to try that? Well, you know, that's just about everything out there, right? Right, right now, yeah, yeah, everything, yeah. So, you know, the same if if you find a favorite plant there, you know, it's really a numbers game. So the more you start, of course, the better one you're going to find. What sort of populations have you been working with? I started doing them about 500 at a time, and then I got up to about 20,000 per. So 20,000 seeds versus 500. You're not necessarily finding one that's 40 times better, right. but it might be 20% better, you know? It's it's not exponentially different. Do yeah. you find in, in the very, very large populations some absolute freaks? Absolutely. I find... You know, with most seeds, I think you see pretty much all the phenos with one out of 250. And when I get 500, I find two of the recessives, you know? Right. But the, uh, like, sure, if you start a million seeds, like um, the skunk man was starting a million seed lots, and that's a lot of seeds, you know? So, of course, you're going to really find some exceptional needles in the haystack, you know? And do you like to, you ever like to work with, like, mutations and things that you find that have you ever continued with them, or you just sort of... They're totally compelling, and and some of the favorite ones I've ever found I've lost, and other ones are tucked into seed form and hopefully show something of what they had, you know? And do you think, like, blockhead was, like, a mutation that was kind of continued, or was that something that was bred into something that was, like, you saw that, that trait? Or? That was pretty stable uh, stock, actually, when I planted the seeds that were the mother of that, uh-huh. then I used a sweet tooth, stable sweet tooth male on it, and they they had a bit of variation, but maybe two phenos. It wasn't, uh, they weren't all over the map. Like, I always loved DJ Short's work, and he's got, you know, so far from everything else in the gene pool generally, and it was really amazing to go through his stuff, and mad respect for the man, and he just showed at the opposite end of the spectrum what you can do on a micro scale versus a macro scale with Skunk and Haze, right? So right, so he, and he was all thinking... different I, I, schools of, of yeah. breeding... And, and and even probably a fair bit of similar starting material, with some exceptions, like the Violetta de Torreon. I think it's yeah, Nepalese or something. But like the, uh, it's, there's no stability in there. Yeah. You know, with the, the skunk and the haze, he's breeding more towards stability in a traditional sense, whereas G.J. was trying to be more inclusive 
of genetics and keep a wilder pool without so not to lose anything, you know? But when you start, you know, the flow, you might find 11 different types of plants that don't look even related, you know? It's really, but that's half the fun of it, is because it's so diverse, you find some really exceptional things. So, you know, there's two, there's totally different schools of thought for how to go about it and whether it's preservation or isolation and how they want to achieve it, you know? But, uh, and obviously it's the interplay of the two that really makes it work, right? Like, it's something that a lot of purists argue that if people aren't breeding towards stability, then they're not really contributing in any way. But on the other hand, if people aren't throwing out these polyhybrid crosses and pulling out these weird recessive, you know, unlikely traits, mm-hmm. nothing nothing progresses. Everything stays the same forever. Well, that's true. It's uh, just scramble the deck and have fun. You know, see what you find. Because it doesn't matter. You know, not everybody has to breed stable lines. They just have to find a mother that totally turns their crank, you know? So there's nothing wrong with, you know, crossing all your favorites and uh, have at it, see what you find. It's more about growing from seed than uh, doing generation after generation. If you just keep um, selecting from seed, whether you're going towards stabilizing something or just finding a new mom for the next 10 years, that's fine, you know? There's no right or wrong. There's no right or wrong. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's a little like dancing, right? <laughs> like it's like everybody. Yeah, there's a wrong way to dance, Adam. That's definitely. You could be a bad dancer. Yeah, doesn't mean it's wrong in the sense in your head. It's like you sure. Every, you could be in the corner. You're that guy over there that's like, yeah, this. Uh, you know, you think it's fire, but you know, everyone all around you is like, yeah, whatever. Really <laughs> that guy, that guy over there. Sure. So he's having a good. time. He's having right? a good time, though. That's the whole point. Yeah, exactly. Um, so. I guess we can start going to chat room questions. There's tons of questions. Adam had a question for you. Adam brought up a question Did to I? me. I forgot the now. Instagram, right? Oh, right. The uh... so what's up? What's up, uh, Breed Steve, with the uh, the giant calyx? It was a total hoax. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I found this plastic thing in the picture. That little floret. Yeah, that yeah. looks like just massive pistols. Sure, yeah. and coming out of this frosty green bottom. Yeah, and I saw it in a plastic good. flower arrangement somewhere, and I'd seen it a couple times, and finally I went and just pulled the thing out of the styrofoam and snapped a shot of it. Nice, and yeah. And put it back in, because I was like, this totally just looks like the tip of a massive bud. <laughs> <laughs> I did. So I just couldn't resist putting it out there, and partly to uh, start a conversation about GMO with people and get a feedback about what's, what people understand about it, what they don't understand about it, what they're afraid of, what they can do, you know. There's, what, there's, uh, there's where, always positives and negatives to everything. What's so. what's your stance on it? Ad, Adam's usually pretty technophobic. I'm pretty technophilic. So in general, like Adam, you don't want a GMO weed, right? Hell no. No. I, yeah. I'm, I, I mean, I'm, I was talking about mutation breeding yesterday, which I think is fascinating, man. I like, like mutations, I think, are cool, but that's all natural. But I don't mm. think you should be... Well, like with radiation, would you... Or colchicine or something? I mean... See, I, mean, that's, I, I think see, it's interesting. Like yeah. Col- I see... When I got colchicine back in 93 or something like that, I was like... I was all excited. And then, like I said, I started opening it up. And 
getting th- from one warning label to the next that got worse and worse to the point where it's talking like, you know, ah, this is basically going to ruin my chances of having kids. And you're like, all right, this stuff, I'm not, I don't know why I'm tired. I don't want to be fucking around. Why do I, why'd they sell this to me? You don't want to handle that outside of a and so, lab. And you so know, I just, really I didn't even open it up. I just remember like going like, no, nope, not going to do it. Like not after the la- no, I was like, nah. And then I remember I, Rob, Rob Clark told me not to do it. So I was like, nope, not doing it. <laughs> so it was like kind of classic where, yeah, I think it's just. A I might have read too many comic books. I think that might be the problem. You think you want to become Superman? You want to be the super. I want to make the super weed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super villain weed. Yeah. Sure. To me, the GMO is a very overly broadened term. Sure, of course it is. Everything's genetically modified. If we cross this with that, we're genetically modified. Sure. It's an awfully broad term. So when she, once you get up to transgenics, where you're putting animal genes and plant genes. That I have an issue with, that's you know, that's weird. and even exactly, like interspecies and... with, you know, different types of plants, a little sketchier, but if you're just moving them within one species. So taking like, a shortcut to breeding in a sense. Then I think that's not so bad because that is the same outcome you would get through selective breeding over time of trial and error. So the, it's not, uh really an unnatural outcome. There would be no discernible difference in the chromosome. But even without doing that, having the ability to look for these gene markers and understand which ones are dominant in which plants before you've grown them all out, maybe you've started the seed of a million seeds and then sent every numbered cotyledon leaf through a sequencer, and then you'd know uh, definitively which one was dominant for the traits you're going for and which one might have uh, resistance to mildew because obviously i'm sure you've seen the difference particularly indoor environment some plants are more susceptible to mildew than others sure and some of them really are quite resistant to it and they can be surrounded by it and have none so once you've isolated what makes that plant different in that regard you could literally insert that into all your other favorites that were mildew prone. You know, you could cross it with your favorites and then selectively choose them over several generations kind of thing to get it out. You might find something in the first one just for a replacement cutting, you know. But you can really do it quite easily on a cellular level. So it's really amazing. You know, when I had taken a hiatus a long time ago, whatever in uh, 2002 is when I was winding it down. And at that time, it was prohibitively expensive to get access to these sequencers and to be able to run mass amounts of samples. Nowadays, you know, the technology keeps becoming more and more available. So a small lab can have this nowadays, you know? You don't have to be MIT, right? So... It's just being able to look under the hood as a traditional breeder is a substantial advantage, you know? And if you choose to snip and paste some code, you know, as I think you just better be forthcoming about it, you know? Sure. And wanna know the wanna understand, you know. But I think if you could knock mildew out of popular strains of grass, you'd be knocking a whole lot of fungicide out of people's bongs. I, I I totally agree with that. I think it's really the permanent solution to a lot of the pesticide issues that a lot of the commercial markets are struggling with. 
And I also think the advantage to the, that sort of like within species genetic insertion is the advantage over, you know, standard breeding is that it's so precise, right? Like you're not affecting anything else about that plant except this one trait, having it yeah, make this one end up cannabis gene, right? And, but the, uh, but uh, even as far as far as like the expression of the gene and, and everything else, it's just like it's not going to affect the stature, the leaf shape, the smell. It's the same exact plant. It just has yeah. this too. That's right. Yeah, um, and you could achieve the same thing shuffling the deck and looking for a new hand every time, you know. But if you can just pick the four aces out, <laughs> you know, it's uh, yeah, that's just such a shortcut. It's so hard. It's not to say. Whether it should be done or shouldn't be done, it's just inevitably going to be done. You and, know? and the possibility is fascinating. At least that's what that's I don't right. know. It yeah, re- sure. It'll have a lot of upside that way too, done done correctly. You know, because if you can, you know, I know that, like, you get Monsanto would want to put, you know, Roundup Ready genes, all this stuff. Yeah, you don't want to use that. There's lots of stuff you don't want to do GMO. There's lots of GMO I'd be adamantly opposed to. Like taking the Bacillus thuringiensis, you put the BT gene in the plant, and that will help keep pests off it. Sure. But at what cost? You know, I don't know about putting that poison, even though, you know, it's a naturally occurring poison, but so is ricin, right? So I don't know about putting that in. It doesn't seem natural to me to do that. But to take a, a gene from a cannabis plant is very resistant in and of itself. Sure. I just don't see the conundrum there. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is like when you have a room with like PM and and then you have one plant in the middle that just powers through it and has no problem. It's like, well, yeah, then you, I mean, without having to do anything, you can just work with that plant as a as some material. But of course, if you could transfer that ability of that plant to resist PM into plants Everything that else into without plants, changing them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Into plants that already have or like you love, you know, your you're sour or something else that you love that every time gets hits at certain times of year when the weather changes or whatever, you know, you're like, you know, you're going to get it. So then just to be able to fortify that plant or whatever and be able to make it work, that'd be great. But yeah, curiously enough, I'm actually working on doing the same thing for wine grape vines so that you can have a new uh, selections of Pinot Noir that don't have the big mildew problems, you know, because if you could do that with wine grapes, you're going to, shut down so much sale of systemic fungicide that's going into humans at some level, you know? Sure, absolutely. It's just that you're just cutting it. I would totally love to shut those companies down that make that garbage. Well, I mean, if you're a good grower, you're not going to have a PM problem anyway. Um, well, here it's, well, here it's becoming a real issue. I mean, right now we're getting recall. Cannabis recalls are more normal now than than car recalls or any other recalls. It's like pretty much every week there's a... It's, it's not. It's not four p.m. It's for the pesticides no, they're the using pesticide. to avoid it's the problem. It's for the pesticides. It's not for the for the uh, PM. You know, and and it's part of the realities of indoor commercial growing that the the way the law makes you grow here uh, isn't a way that plants like to grow necessarily. Well, so, like, well, sure. It's not a way, It's not an ideal growing way at all. The way that they well, you know, we we've traditionally grown inside um, since it's sort of the dawn of it in the '60s or whenever it started in the Pacific Northwest because you couldn't get a reliable outdoor season and you were compelled to hide it, <laughs> you know? Right, for sure. If, if, if those, if it was federally legal yeah. um, in I'm, either Canada or the States, you wouldn't all have to, if you lived in Washington, you could order pot from Southern California, you know? Yeah. 
there's but if it's state by state it's kind of awkward like it always has to be locally grown one like i love orange juice but i have no illusions about producing my own orange juice in canada you know sure if i i can get orange juice from places where it does really well you know the uh the thing with the cannabis is there'll have to be an import license at some point as well. Like in, here in Canada, they're supposedly looking to regulate it along the lines of tobacco or cannabis. And like Uruguay, they've decided that they would like to see the price cheaper than it would be on the black market to quash the black market so they get their tax down to flesh from every transaction, right? Sure. Now, if people can grow their own, I think the commercial growers will be in for a surprise that there's going to be a lot less demand than they thought because you won't be able to give it away if everybody's got it, their backyard full, right? Yeah, the, I uh, mean, there's that argument, but there's the same thing. Like, people still buy tomatoes, man. I, I well, grow tomatoes course, and most I Most people tomatoes. aren't going to grow it. There's going to be a lot that don't, that's for sure. But, and there's going to be a market for it. That's beautiful. And just like wine, you can make your own wine at home. Yeah, it's easy. Buy wine from around the world, you know? And that's just because they're all different. You know, I can't, I could grow an Afghani plant here and make an Afghani style hash out of it, but it's not going to taste like the terroir of Afghanistan. For sure. I would, I like to see trade, not aid. So think of all the poor producing countries in the world that would just revel in the opportunity to be on our shelves up here. Yeah, as well, I a mean, recreational product for adults, so it's not just about growing it here, but but doing some import as well. If, if you know, it, I think if that's it's gonna an happen, awesome. If it's going to happen, it's going to be uh, Jamaica to Canada probably first, because right, the, already that, that connection has already been kind of yeah, yeah. That's work, they're working on that now. A number of people are for yeah, sure, exactly, and, so, uh, and, seen, and other countries in Southeast Asia too. There's all yeah. kinds of stuff happening on that front. But yeah. as far as domestic production. I think we both agree that, I mean, I don't know, but rosin is awesome. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, power. Rosin is awesome. That was the first power thing you said that the rosin. kid here understood. Yeah, I like the kid woke up. You know, I mean, I, I can't, okay, so since I started not only, you know, making rosin, but even since I've started smoking rosin, it's, I can feel the difference when I wake up in the morning. I mean, you can, you can. Versus BHO, you're saying. Right, right, right. Versus smoking. I mean, if you smoke a, a significant amount of concentrates a day and you go from smoking all that BHO to smoking all of that rosin, you will notice the difference in how you feel. I'm telling you 100%. And then when you smoke a BHO so dab. The only thing is healthy. Insanely high from the BHO dab after you smoke it. He's on soy milk. But then it makes me wonder, am I getting, what's, why am I getting so much higher off this BHO dab? I mean, it's a different high. The same thing happened when you're smoking BHO and you start to turn rosin. You get high off the rosin dab right away. But so you answered your own question. I guess kind of. But it's definitely healthier for you, man. I'm, I'm happy to hear that you like the rosin because that I, it's is... So, it's so beautiful. And, and it's got way more of the flavor, right? And, yep. and it makes the hit so smooth. I picked up a little uh, oil pen or shatter pen in Vancouver in early September. I was down there. And uh, I had already been making some rosin, but I hadn't tried it in one of the little pens. And a friend had given me some of his shatter. So I had the first little piece I had was his shatter. And it gave me a cough, you know, but it, it was, I got a buzz. It was nice. But then when I put the rosin in it later, it was smooth. It just coated your throat. Sure. It tasted 
way sure. better. It's just way, way cleaner. It right? doesn't. It doesn't give you that lung expansion like you're saying. So it doesn't hurt when you take the dab. You. Uh, it's not raspy. Yeah. Right, and it's and like you said, you can you know you can hold it in like a nice hash hit for once. You don't actually have to feel like you have to exhale your 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 rosin dab like you do a butane dab. Um, you know you're able to really hold it in, and it's definitely uh, a much cleaner and more full spectrum high for sure because you're getting more of the cannabinoids out using the heat and the micro distillation as opposed to the BHO. Um, so, I mean, I'm a big fan of it. So if you ever come out to Colorado way, let's get you some of the stuff that, that we make in the lab. Absolutely. But my point being, the reason I was saying sure. we all love rosin, right? It's the, and that's what the, the mainstream as they're looking to make policies in that, and they don't necessarily understand what we're doing. <laughs> you know, they think at all. it's at still feed and big fat joints, right? They don't, they don't know. So we've got to help educate them <laughs> on some level before they make bad laws, right? It's one thing to legalize it, but if they do it wrong, it's just still going to be awkward. So the, the thing with the rosin is if you can grow cannabis on an industrial agricultural scale, albeit still organic and you could have no-till soil, whatever you like, but grow it in fields in places where it's suitable and or breed utilitarian plants that are overall good or a little bit of everything. So you could be having um you could be doing a scale to do industrial oil production to compete with the oil sands you could replace the diesel use in your country right so you could have a big fuel oil plant taking the seeds out of these hermied field plants but they could be cannabis cannabinoid rich sure plants. they don't have been to be low yet. thc or they could even be high CBD ones. It doesn't have to be high THC. Right. So you could have these different blocks, and you could literally rosin the whole thing as a byproduct to the building materials and oil that is your main business. If you did that, I was looking, I'm making um, a plan right now for 30,000 hectare operation to do just that, and hoping to see the rosin out retail, like, retail after tax even at 25 bucks an ounce 25 bucks an ounce it's, are you gonna right? put the kid so out of business to make that happen who's gonna bother with her you know most people will be just stoked to get rosin for 25 bucks an ounce uh, and there's still gonna be a boutique herb market and that's great you know and there'll be greenhouses doing that and there'll be outdoors places doing that and there's still gonna be people that want to find bud and they're gonna want to find blunt and it's all good whatever you like is right but uh, I think if rosin, that if we can aim for retail rosin at twenty five bucks an ounce, that would be fine. You know, I I'm, I don't think there will be anyone who would object to that, except for the kid. Yeah, except for people making uh, well, rosin no, now, I mean, like, no, but I mean, charging if, thirty a if gram. We can, if we can find ways to make that happen, where the point where I'm able to produce rosin for that price, then I'm all about it. That's no, right. No, it has I mean, to be an industrial agricultural paradigm to do that right. in the horticultural scene. It's too expensive to do it that right, way. Right, right. I mean, to Once, be taking 20 pounds of flour that are potentially worth $2,500, $2,600 uh, on the medical side, and uh, right now uh, to process that in a rosin is, is essentially not profitable for, for them unless no, they're doing not, it themselves you, with extra. And, and like you said, they have a 100,000-square-foot uh, indoor garden, you know, where they can literally toss five pounds aside and it doesn't really matter. Yeah, but indoor is still all, you know, indoor was – Way more expensive. When I was growing in greenhouse, I, it hit me that it was like five times less or ten times less to do it in the greenhouse. Sure. 
I believe it was 10 times less to do it in a greenhouse than indoors in Switzerland. And the electricity was very expensive for indoors and everything's expensive there. <laughs> yeah. but How the, long were you out there in Switzerland? The field, then when you'd go from the greenhouses to the field, it was again 10 cents on the dollar. Wow. So it was so much cheaper yeah. once you're farming with a tractor, you know, then you're harvesting it like corn and you've got facilities the size of the ones where they process corn that are squeezing a ton a minute in a continual press. Yeah. You know, the stuff's just flowing through it. Sure. And it would just keep flowing round the clock because it'd have to take through the whole harvest, right? Um, it's going to look a lot different than what most people would think, right? Yeah. Um, but to me, that's where it gets really exciting is just to make, you know, why make medicine expensive? Why Aspirin's cheap. Why can't it be the same way, right? Yeah, just I mean, let like, it well, be. And aspirin, and aspirin if, they, if they wanted to, they could price it wherever they wanted to, and people would they still could, buy sure, it. It could be even less than it is now. It could be less, or it could be more. You know, I mean, it could be like held that, back, and you could, people would pay. Like if you, like in Holland, but if more people would buy it, knock off cheaper. <laughs> yeah, of course. But like in Holland, uh, it's really hard to get aspirin, and then when you buy them, you're like. They give you like six, you know, and you're like six aspirin, and you want like five bucks, you know, it's like a dollar each or something. You know, so it's exactly. like, oh, yeah. and they were just, and they just were like, you don't need, you know, it's like they're weird. They like don't want you to take any pills <laughs> at all. You know, they kind of like keep it. That's crazy. Stuff. So I don't even remember the last time I took an aspirin. I don't know much of a pill muncher either. No, I mean maybe like you know once a year I might need one if I'm lucky. <laughs> yep, nothing you know, wrong if you need one. So, uh, Steve, let's let's uh, kind of jump off where where we were just talking on, on this industrial scale stuff. And as far as extraction, someone asked uh, to ask someone in the chat room asked about supercritical nonpolar water extraction. I don't know if that's something that you. This is something very interesting, actually, and the we're doing a little work with a company that has made these machines that extract nutraceuticals. Using high pressure water and temperature. So I'm not saying it's a steam process. Sure. But it's temperature. It could be really high pressure cold water. But they dial it in so that the polarity captures specific elements of the plant material. So this could be used to extract, you know, green tea crystals to, you know, go into nest tea later. Interesting type of example. Using so they, just they sort use of very, it's just water and it's just pressure and temperature. So I guess it's just three things. Sure. What but, kind of volume? What kind of volume are we talking? Well, they're making these again. There's like a the lab scale one requires a kilo of material, and then an industrial one that may make tea leaf extracts or something in India would have to be the size of a barn, right? Nice. Right, so it's that's what we're talking so it's totally about. Scalable and yeah, more. that's right. No, this is all industrial mm-hmm. equipment, and it's just just to be repurposed from other things, right? Right. So that's, that's awesome. It's, it's not. It's not. Uh, it's just that nobody in our circles ever dealt with those things before, you know, because sure. it wasn't on our horizons. But now that there's um, potential. And we've got to look ahead and think big, right? Yeah, well, one of the things that you were, uh, we were talking about also earlier was you being in Switzerland. So tell us a little bit about the whole adventure there because, I mean, that's kind of where I think 
I'm sure you rolled through Amsterdam at some point. I was really jealous about everybody who went to Switzerland in the beginning because I was like, real. I was just kind of like sitting there at my shop, all like, "Damn, everybody's going there." You know what I mean? It seemed like <laughs> at the moment because Blake came. Everybody you knows like uh, um, Shanti Baba came into town, and then he took off to there. And then the other everybody that was kind of like hanging out and that was doing anything big in Amsterdam, pretty much that was the new spot, you know. And then a lot of people came back, kind of hurt broke and beaten up and like, you know what I mean I was like and I was all happy that I did and I was like oh, I'm glad I didn't go and get all my genetics stolen or something so did you have any kind of dramas like that or was it all like yeah, there, was, there were some dramas but it wasn't at all bad we had uh, we had a pretty no. good run of it actually I can't complain and you mm-hmm. what, year, what years were that um 99 to 2002 okay yeah so it's actually a little later than I remember Cause some of the early because I remember some of the early guys going out maybe 95 96 and well, I met a lot of people. One guy that even came over to me one summer, he'd been there four times and failed. And he's like, I just left with my tail between my legs four times. We try and come and get set up and yeah. never make it through a crop kind of thing. So, thankfully, that was not our case. But eventually, um, even though it wasn't illegal, they started to sort of make it difficult, yeah. you know, and just kind of, it was literally harassment, you know, sure. that they would... Uh, um, sequester your account, your bank account, and say, well, we're we're doing investigations or sequester your account so you can't use it. Like, well, that doesn't really help. But that wasn't a, a huge ordeal because, right. as you know, not everybody in our business pays with bank transfers. Sure. So that was a mild inconvenience, but it was still, they wanted to do investigations. They had nothing, yeah. nothing to charge you with, but they just wanted to let you know that, you know, we kind of curious about what's going on and just sure. to try and make it a bit difficult for you. And they, we hadn't even popped up on their radar actually, because we didn't have a retail store and every, all the other growers and that. Yeah. You weren't we making, were, you weren't making pillows. You weren't making breeder Steve pillows at that time or no, no, we didn't have the do sake. Yeah. We did, we did seeds and we did seed export and we had receipts for it all. And we actually got, tax rebates from the government on all our employee taxes because they considered us an export company. And at the time, I think you had to export over 70% of your sales. Yeah. And ours was 97% of our sales were export because we'd sold to a few shops maybe in Zurich or somewhere in Switzerland right. that had some of our seeds. But 97% of it was going to other legal European countries like the Czech Republic or Austria, UK, Poland, and Spain. Right. So we were, we really weren't doing anything illegal, yeah. but they couldn't stand the thought of it. <laughs> Still, sure. You know, the Pope told the Pope was on TV the week before and said, you know, cannabis is bad; it's poisoning our youth. And these good Catholic prosecutors or persecutors decided they would start harassing the the pot growers in the hood. So they just once they started taking the fun out of it, they only went there to do it because it was legal. And I always said, if I could go somewhere and plant fields with it looking over my shoulder, I would gladly move there and pay tax and be an upstanding citizen, you know? Sure. And sure enough, when that opportunity came up, I I went through with it and did it. And, and how long once and, and did you uh, fun out of it, then I said, fuck this, you did know? Did you speak German at all before that or 
or Swiss yeah. or, uh, or French, French, or any of these. Did you have any language? Yeah, of course. You're I had to I had to learn Italian because I was in yeah. the Italian. I'm gonna say it doesn't. Yeah, it depends what valley you're in, right? Pretty much. Like, yeah. I didn't. Uh, but if you speak French, I saw German on the menus because all the menus were in Italian and German. So I know what all the food stuff is in German, but I really can't speak German at all. Right. Italian, I can get by and okay. Good. No, I mean, that, that's a huge barrier, obviously, for a lot of people to also go in there too. Which is that's for me, true, I, yeah. I just like kind of like got to Holland a couple of years earlier, four or five years earlier. So I was like, uh, "That's going to be another whole learning curve." Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you know, I was like, that was part of the. the Italian's thing. easy if you have to learn one or the other. Yeah, the Italian's a lot easier than the German. That's for sure. And, to, and more and fun. And I just fun. like it better. And, and my more ears. fun at the end of the day once you've learned that language, you're like, hey. Now I can go have fun with. Now I can go to Italy. I can go to Italy. I can go to Italy and eat good food, right? Like that's right. It's a different vibe for sure. So, Um, an interesting time, anyway. Were you producing seed kind of continuously from uh, when you started uh, up in you know the northwest in Canada, and and then when you went to Switzerland, or you shut down for a while there? I did it like ninety four to two thousand and two continuously. Nice, and obviously uh, some of your big ones were uh, Blockhead. Uh, the Sweet Skunk, which I had mistaken on our call with the Island Sweet Skunk, which was a later spin. That's what was big here. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's, it's just a, it's one away, that's all. Yeah. Uh, pink Grapefruit also, and Sweet Tooth was the other big one. Uh, yeah, Blockhead, I just came up recently. I had a question from one of my friends. Go ahead. came in about the Sweet Tooth. He was wondering if uh, you ever uh, witnessed any auto-flowering in the number th- Sweet Tooth in number three. I think it was. Yeah, there was a couple. There was a couple auto flowers in there. Okay, sure. so there you go. There's an answer for you. Right. Uh, there are questions uh, regarding autoflower. What are your opinions on it? Uh, autoflower, feminized breeding. Some of the these seem to be trendier in Europe. They're they're very looked down upon in the American you know seed community. Uh, your thoughts on them? Well, I never did the feminized ones myself because it was just my concern that you would have more hermy problems. So I just didn't want to work so hard to get away from using any Hermes and really being, you know, stressing everything a bit to really check that it wasn't going to hurt. And I just leaned away from it. I don't know. I think there's probably lots of people that have been satisfied with them. And I'm sure there's lots of others that have ruined sense crops because they made the mistake of putting some in there. Sure. And, uh, so I can't really say definitively one way or the other not my thing i guess would be all i could say for the feminized seed not that i'm opposed to it if you can do it right and you're not sending out hermes but most people aren't going to want hermes you know yeah that's pretty much how i felt too that's why i mean we only did it later with in spain with spanish guys that that's all they do you know what i mean and we worked with them because i I never i never i never produced it myself i was like you know what uh, you guys can Take care of that over there, you know, because... And, and for the autoflowering, I found that it's... I found it to be contrary to potency overall. Like, anything that came on early like that was yeah. typically not the strongest stuff. Yeah. It would be... Um, what do you think? Yeah, a lot of times you get stuff that was, like, beautiful structure, but no... No kick. No lift to it, you know? Yeah. yeah. It, there's a couple of traits in cannabis that are totally opposite. You know, you don't get heavy potent and you don't get early potent. And to some degree, even purple potency will always lag on the green plants. Yeah, very, very, very rarely. Usually with the purples, are like, there's something missing there. 
because of that. Yeah, it's different. You're, you know, even if they're from the same lot, the purple one might look gorgeous and still has a red one, but it's not usually as punchy as one of the green ones. And I don't know if that's totally true, but anecdotally, no. yeah. I know I'm not the only one that's seen that. No, the, I definitely, uh, definitely see that. The uh, interesting thing, you know, for the feminized and autoflowering is everything's going to improve. It's going to, there'll be better autoflowering ones. There'll be more stable feminized ones. And I think one of the neat things, like when you were bringing up the culture scene earlier, which is the most uh, common technique for inducing polyploidy, if you want to do that and select out plants that are sterile, it's very interesting to have sterile plants for sense crops because they can be surrounded in clouds of pollen and not take a seed. And I've actually had some before. I didn't treat them with colchicine, but I'm thinking the guy who grew them may have, because I picked some seeds out of some special pot one time in uh, probably 95. And when I grew them, all six seeds that sprouted were females. And when they started flowering, only three of them had pistols. The other three just had calyxes. And they would not take a seed in a room full of pollen. And they also didn't need trimming hardly. They didn't have much leaf in the bud, so the calyx-to-leaf ratio was awesome. I love, that's one of the things I would really like to concentrate on again (laughs) as a trait is the calyx-to-leaf ratio because I've had plants that really required no trimming. You just had to strip the fan leaves off. So if you don't have to trim that bud, you are ahead of the game as far as efficiency, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, and, 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 you know, you get those things... uh, and it's always when you're, you're like, trimming and you're like, wow, this is a great plant. And you look over and there's your, like, stump over in the corner. And you're like, oh, no, that, there goes that one. You know what I mean? Never kept a mom of it or whatever. So, uh, yeah, no, it, sometimes you're just, like, kick, yeah, kick, kick yourself over that. Yeah, 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 I know. That's what my mom gets mad at all the time. A like, lot of growers would be pretty happy one. to get a strain they didn't have to trim. Well, on a commercial scale, it makes a huge difference. Trimmers are cheap. Yeah, that's a huge amount. Um there's every every strain is somewhat of a, a compromise. A guaranteed so sense crop build, is is well, you commercially know what, what, valuable. What's too. interesting too, I think I already told this story on some point, but uh, yeah. a friend of mine used to go to Mexico and he would pick up weed and when he would select his weed because he was this was back in like '64, '65. Uh, so he, he said that every so often he would see. A, a plant that w- was totally sterile and didn't get seeded, so he would like take those. He would just basically like cherry pick those ones out of them and be like, "All right, give me that one, that one, that one, that one." And they were like, "You know, this guy is crazy. He only wants these ones." You know what I mean? And it was like, you know, he under- then he understood the idea of separating males and females. So he he claimed the whole sensi uh, story. He was in high times. You know, it's interesting you say that because uh, I know. Some of the plants I've seen that were sterile were ones with some Oaxacan heritage. And Uh the Oaxacan leaf is quite distinct. And it often has a floret growing in the petiole. Right. So it's really a strange little plant, you know, or a strange large plant. But they're a little bit vinous. Like they grow like, they seem like a vine a bit, the bendier branches and that. Right. And uh, I think the... The sterile plants, I think in nature it occurs a bit more in Oaxacan than maybe many other places. It's an interesting trait, that's for sure. There's certainly some appeal there. Well, Oaxacan's a real, real unique strain, too, because it had, like, uh, 
you know, 12 foot plants with a couple ounces on them or something. There weren't much to them, but, but it'd be awesome. You know what I mean? Like I remember it could be good. It, could be good. it was one of those few things that I kind of remember as a kid because I would, uh, it was just weird. It was like a weird, it was real spicy. It had a real unique flavor. And it was like probably one of the few original things it's, I got to try, you know. The spicy is one of the things I remember about it very yeah, much. It was a bit like sandalwood. Man. Yeah. And very, I mean, it, got, it has that haze characteristic where you're like, hmm. Like we had that, well, the the, the sage that we have, the, what it comes from is it's a, it's a Zacatus purple pheno that was in there and it's like you kind of like that's what's made from and it was you can really it pops up that purple pops up which is kind of like unique for mexican weed too you know you don't get much purples no that's true and they had a lot of uh but they had a lot of other weird colors that we don't have anymore at all like tans and stuff color you know weird but there was also how they dried it too a little bit combined with you know we we treat it a little differently. <laughs> we don't we don't we don't throw <laughs> we don't it on the beach. Lay it there we, don't, we don't lay it out on the beach and like kind of beat on well, it. People don't understand that a lot of those strains had merit, yeah. but it was just by the time they got to you, yeah. you thought they were shit. You know, sure, because they didn't see it fresh. If they had that fresh and hung it in the closet and put it in a jar, yeah. it would look a little different than if it was racked with. Hundred ton bales and <laughs> yeah, thrown in a boat and tarp through the equator and you know composting all the way there. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's not fair to say that uh, all those old land races suck. It's just not because it's not true. If you ever get them in place, you know, in situ, as it were. Yeah, it's hard. It's have hard a to fantastic grow. experience with most of them, you know, and even the Colombian gold. I had uh, growing inside uh, seeds in '94. And they took 16 weeks to finish, and they yielded pencils. Yeah. But even under a sodium, the hairs kept the pink, so that was cute. But they just tasted like cherry, like really just so delicious. And I cut them down a bit into Tropical Treat 1 and 2, and then later to Tropicana 1 and 2. And I remember Dave Watson coming into the room in Switzerland where I had uh, probably one of the first growths where I had all the different seeds of mine grown out. And he walked in right away and and uh, looked at those F1 tropical treats and was like, oh, Colombian gold, my favorite. <laughs> he just beeline and he saw it from across the room, and he knew what it was just from there. He hadn't even smelled it yet, you know? He just looked right. at it and went, Colombian gold, and he just walked over, and it was just such a treat. But it was so good but so low-yielding that I basically just didn't share it with anybody. Right. <laughs> I would just keep that in a jar in my bedroom, you know? It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are some of the other land race lines like your your descriptions of of the Colombian gold, especially? Or it's just really evocative, and uh, you know, a lot of us haven't had the privilege of of uh, working with any of the real deal, um, or maybe have some seeds that we can't truly judge the provenance of. Well, there's a whole world of uh, flavors out there, and there's no quick way to describe them all. Of, you know, I don't know what to say. I think what we'll see in the future, though, as the openness and legality comes up, is you're going to have resorts, like high-end resorts, you can go to and do tutored tastings of cannabis of the world or one-design terroir comparisons. So you could take the same cutting of of sage and have it in Mendocino, Kentucky, Florida, Ontario, B.C., 
then you could have five and people could judge, try and pick out the difference in the earth, you know, in the terroir of what makes the site special, viewing it through the same varietal lens. Right. So I think it's going to be fascinating. And not just, you could take that same cutting and plant it in Jamaica or Thailand or uh, Spain, you know, and still be able to compare. People will get a really good chance to compare not only all the different strains, but um, but the different terroirs and the regional differences in, in production. I mean, there's no short way to tell people what the world of pot tastes like, smells like, and to experience it yourself is quite time-consuming until it's actually legal and somebody can set you up a tasting, a tutored tastings of it. Well, yeah, now you see you see how, uh, like, and I've said it already a few times, that if people don't get a chance to try more of a palate uh, than just sour diesel and OG, then they're going to not understand that there's, you know, like like with hazes and things like that, you're just, you're, if you're at the right place at the right time, smoking it with the right combination of everything, it's like it's like having the right glass of wine, where like you've drank wine a bunch of times, but it was all crappy wine, and then you sit down with a friend who, who actually knows what he's knows what he's doing, and he he gives you the wine, he airs it out properly, and he, and it's all combined with everything, and you're just like, whoa, this is so amazing, and it's like real, but it's all about temperature and timing, and you know and that's the thing, like with with the all these varietals is like how you how they're grown, how they're cured. There's too many combinations to like hit it every time and I think that's the the secret of reason why we all smoke all the time is because we're all always kind of on the <laughs> the endless hunt for that perfect combination, you know what I mean, which only comes up not every time, you know? I mean, there's very f- a few strains you'll have like cuz you're maybe you're the grower so you're proud of it enough that you'll smoke it and you'll be, you know, you'll always think you're getting high and you'll love it or whatever, <laughs> but at a certain moment you even then there's a moment where you're like ooh you know something's wrong because it's it's you can taste it you, something's gone off the rails a little bit bad bad crop bad you know selection whatever it was and then at that moment in time it's like you're either honest with yourself and you work forward on it or you just sort of like pretend it's the same and then people figure it out like hey wait a minute this stuff's not getting me high anymore too and it's like oh no this stuff's you know and that happens and people yep. and people aren't people always it's weird because it's like you know I think it's it's you know stability obviously in the in the in the first selection and, the, and to make it all you know obviously that's that's your kind of like your baseline but along the way it's like it's like owning a grow shop when people come in and say they give you all their re- everything you say it's they they're, somehow their room is perfect but all their plants are dead you know what I mean and you're like well you're asking them all these questions and every question you hit they're like like almost textbook where they'll be like humidity 55 percent temperature 72 degrees you know it's like all right well nothing sounds too out of the ordinary but why are they all yeah. dead you something's know? wrong here and then it's always over watering or something real simple it's like real basic you know like you know they just can't yeah. but they can't admit it to themselves you know what i mean and that's yeah i'm just kind of basing on the whole like you know the reality of growing is a lot of times that honesty with yourself as a grower and as a breeder you have to be really honest with yourself because you're kind of like maintaining lines that are pretty much in your head at this point you know what i mean because people might have it and they, but they don't know what you started it's kind of hard to know where the guy was coming from you know what i mean or yeah. go, or going to 
long-winded. Long. <laughs> I like to go by the little long. Well, that's good. Those that I do my little, little long-winded speeches. We can pull those out one day and make a whole make a whole show. Talk. That's it. I don't have to talk anymore. <laughs> like a ro- I'd be like a robot. Thank you. hologram. Your hologram will stay for millennia now. <laughs> exactly. So, Steve, uh, we want to talk about uh, man. We got a ton of chat room questions about specific strands. We got questions all over the place. Jeez, um, well, I don't know where to start. Let's talk about what you're doing now. Well, we can't do a lot now in reality because it's not open and legal to do it properly right now. So you can you can have a little bit of research going on, but you can't plant the fields you need to plant to really be working, you know? So right now it's more of a strategic maneuvering, I would say, to hopefully help influence the policy around here so that they don't come out with a half-step measure for legalization and that we have a chance to do something meaningful with it and not that it's uh, two steps backwards. You know, if they if they just make it too hard for people to grow their own or limit them to four plants or something stupid, it's just crazy. That would just make me mental. But that's what I really hated about the MMPR program in Canada and why I'd never applied for a license under that because the MMPR program effectively shut down people's right to grow their own. And a lot of people had these MMAR licenses under which they were growing for themselves or working as a caregiver for a med patient. So there was a lot of mom-and-pop grows under this MMAR license, and the MMPR was designed to close all of those. And there was an injunction against that, happily, um, so that it kept this kind of hybrid system alive for now. But I would really like to see the MMPR program just entirely scrapped because it's it's not conducive to growing good cannabis. The regulations they have, uh, the tolerances are so low for, you know, fungal contaminant that you know, I don't think anything against pesticide residue. They've got it the wrong way here. The, uh, um, the pot has to glow at 10% moisture. So it's too dry and people get this crumbly dry green bud and they stick apples in the jars to soften it up or apple slices. Mm. And then their, their bud starts molding oh, and then yeah, they I send see. it back and the company has to do a recall on all the grass they put out. They say out of all the companies that are licensed MMPR in Canada, I think in the last 18 months, all the pot that they sold between them that wasn't recalled was like 110 kilos. It's laughable. So it's, you'd think that, and every one of those is like a $5 million facility at least, and there's probably 20 companies, you know? Yeah, so you're right. just thinking, this is just stupid, yeah. you know? And I couldn't be a part of that the way it was written. There's no way I want to spend more time dealing with bureaucratic overseers than with doing the work. Like I went to Switzerland to breed because there was no licenses required. You grew a field of pot the same as you grow a field of carrots. You didn't need anybody's permission. You didn't need an inspection. You didn't need plant tags. It was free enterprise. Go to work. Do what you want to do, you know? And... That was really a beautiful thing. So when I look here and you got to do nothing but fill out paperwork and stare at retinal scanners to open every door you go through, I'm just like, this is absolute overblown crock of shit. Yeah. I really don't want anything to do with that um, paradigm of growing with the MMPR. 
as it becomes legal, if it's possible to do what I want to do, then I will be able to do it in fields and not with barbed wire and landmines and lasers everywhere, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's not, yeah. not, not conducive. It's just ridiculous up here right now, you know? So it's, it's going to get better with this uh, new government we have that's pledged to get it legal ASAP, but it's now a question of how they do it and go about it. And one of the first things they'd said is, we'll maintain all import and export is illegal, but we'll do it like alcohol and tobacco. It's like, well, it's not illegal to import alcohol or tobacco, you know? Right, it may right. be illegal for you to order a case from France directly, but you can buy French wine here, you know? Right. So, so it's, it's, I don't want to see a double standard there, you know? If they're going to make it fair, they really have to make it fair, and they have to do it logically, you know? One thing that I would really like to see, too, is... Um, some kind of war reparations for the victims of the drug war that have had stuff seized and done time. You know, these guys are victims and, and ladies, and they should, you know, the government's going to save so much money just not persecuting pot, let alone what they'll make off it in declared tax revenues for income tax and sales tax and whatnot. They can afford to start to endeavor to pay back the victims of this horribly misguided policy you know i think that's still a long way out at least here in the states well, before, before they even they're not so kind to criminal justice system involvement uh yeah but they're the pretty low dose you know you get uh, a lot of class action suits down there sure that's true we do love you know what i'm saying yeah. i'm saying class action suits motherfuckers <laughs> <laughs> go get them they stole it from you get it back you know so, uh, we have questions in the chat room about uh, your approach to protecting genetics. You, you mentioned something on the phone. Obviously, a lot of people breed with your work. Uh, another one that's real popular here that's based on your work is uh, the mob boss. That's based off a of blockhead line, and that's right. that's huge around these parts. Neat, neat. Um, now, for me, this has been an interesting point over the years because there's never been plant breeders' rights really um, for most cannabis breeders, let's say. There may be exceptions to the rule, but this is not, uh, there's not very many countries that would respect um, plant patents on cannabis plants. But that's obviously going to be changing, and I have no problem as a breeder selling seeds that people use those to make new strains and whatnot. That's great. I'm all for that. I don't like it when the new seed companies pop up selling knockoffs of your seed using your name. If they were, if they're calling it something else, then it doesn't bother me. I'm proud. Especially they can credit it. Say, hey, I bred this out of Sweet Two Three. This is my Sweet Two Three line. I didn't add anything else, but I call it Neat Tooth or something. You know. Right. What, what did you think about? What did you think about like Barney's, for instance? Well, that was an interesting one. I was at that cup, and uh, the first morning, one of my friends was like, hey, there's a sweet tooth entry over at Barney's. And we were there, or a seed company, not in the coffee shop realm. Yeah. But we'd been, that was, I think, 2000. And we'd been selling sweet tooth since 95. Sure. And it was pretty well documented. And uh, so that's fine. Uh, Barney's can sell sweet tooth pot. <laughs> like, I'm not against that, right? right. But so the first morning, my friend goes over there and, 
and comes back with a button. This could be sweet too. And he said, I asked the guy, this was the very first word, he says, I asked the guy at the bar, and he says, oh, one of the growers that we buy pot from said he picked these seeds up in Vancouver a few years ago, and he likes it. So we buy the sweet tooth off this grower, and uh, that's what we're entering. So that's cool. But then later that day, the story had changed, is this is a secret new strain we bred, and we'll be releasing seeds in six months or something, you know? <laughs> and it was like, okay. Right. Uh, you know, they're going to... They just want to cap. They didn't have a seed company before they entered Sweet Tooth in the cup, right? Yeah, that just turned out <laughs> then, to be like they're kind of, huh? We could do that. Just yeah. Sort of like, yeah, they would just want to maximize, you know, capitalize off of uh, the win, and that's what you know they would have anyway. But uh, they could have had real Sweet Tooth seeds in there at the same time, but they just said, no, no, we're going to start making a seed called Sweet Tooth now. So that's kind of irksome, you know, with people because it was popular. Yeah, because sure. it was already popular, so everybody went over to get some sweet tooth. You know, sure, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. So like the Americans, it wasn't a new thing to the Americans because we'd all you know, sweet tooth had been pretty big around for the, the five years leading up to that. Right. It was uh, on the tip of everybody's tongue, and I was at the show, and everybody was like, "I'm going to vote for your sweet tooth." <laughs> very, very, very. Right. <laughs> I didn't exactly. care because they weren't selling seeds of it at the time, so it didn't irritate me. Exactly. But then, like, right after when they say, oh, we're going to start selling the seeds. It's the Gorilla Glue of... Uh, and there's two sweet tooth out there, and one of them is real. <laughs> yeah, there's, I could go through so many examples of that that have irritated me over the years, but I don't let it get to me too much, but every now and then I'll call bullshit on it, you know? From wherever, just call it something new. Be original, because whatever you make isn't the same as what you got from Exactly. Like, and and if you can give ode to whatever who no, made it, shout out to where you used it from. That's cool. Yeah, but what like yours is is different. You don't have to make it clear that it's different. Be original, you know. Sure. No, I mean you know, and over the years I had the same thing where I'm just like, ah, guys, come on, guys, there's more. There's more out there. There's you know, come use your brain. Part of the that's the best part about about cannabis breeding in the long run is like what people think is the most fun part is just sitting around coming up with good names you know and if you can't oh absolutely that's the fun part (laughs) it's like you can't come up with something on knockoff of sweet tooth in a good way like i'll tell you one one name one that i just get a huge chuckle out of is when i came up with shishkaberry remember my girlfriend telling me that's really that's hilarious you're pretty stupid that's you're really stoner stupid that's a horrible name i feel like the most popular of your strain names is one of them, you know, and it was it was very original, right? And it fit it fit the story of the strain, and and the thing that I just love is I googled it one time, I don't know, like a few years ago, and quite a few years ago, and there was actually a fruit place in Seattle that opened called Shishkaberries, and they sell berries on a stick. That's awesome. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is great. The word Shishkaberries is now Everyone. on a sign somewhere in Seattle at right. some store. I just love it, you know? Obviously, some heady person opened it, you know? Sure. I just <laughs> thought it was hysterical. You know, about a year or two after the Sweet Tooth was all over Vancouver, there was a Sweet Tooth Cafe opened up. Nothing to do with pot. And could be just total coincidence, but it didn't seem like it was to me because I drove by it every day and went, nice. <laughs> but so, I mean, there's nothing that tickles me thinker than seeing all these pictures on Instagram or whatnot of people's um, either plants from those strains or downstream of them. It's still cool to see. And also the extracts. So, like, I've seen extracts where the people have it nicely packaged and 
you know, here's our shishkaberry rosin or, or sweet tooth shed or whatever. And just seeing that, you know, that was a long time ago that we selected those plants and got them out there. And it just uh, warms my heart to see, you know, like sweet skunk, that was 94 that I selected that plant. And that was a long time ago, you know. Yeah. That, uh, that to think how popular they still are just floors me sometimes to see, you know, it's what we always dreamed of. Like one day these will be in coffee shops in North America with packaging. And whether, you know, it doesn't matter if we supply them with all the grass, just knowing that those strains have made it out there and, there's still the choice of heads everywhere. It's, you know, among others, of course, there's the variety is the spice of life. You get, no matter how good one strain is, you just get sick of it, you know? Yeah. And also, and also things come in cycles too, you know, like people who are young, who are like, you know, 21, 22 smoking right now, thinking that they've all smoking the headiest weed in the world, haven't smoked any of the other flavors that are out there. And then there's the whole new learning curve, which some, you know, and probably a real small percentage of those people will even, get outside of the curve you know because that's it's going to get more commercial and more commercial and cheaper and people are just going to go on price and less on in packaging and more on the flash and less on the on the, it'll be a lot more two buck chuck than screaming eagle that's oh, just the nature <laughs> of yeah there's going to be but there'll still be the the connoisseurs that want to learn oh, yeah, you know yeah, want to sure. get into it i think with like the tutored tastings i was saying imagine you know, you take a strain like haze or skunk or blueberry, and you actually, before you try that, you're going to try each of the components of it. Sure. So, and then give them a taste of Acapulco gold and Colombian gold and Thai, so they get an idea. And then they try the modern hybrid of it and go, now I see where those flavors are coming from, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, that was- and it's... That would be a necessary education for a lot of a lot of the bud tenders here in Colorado. Well, you know what? It would be so fun for people that are into it. Oh, absolutely. For hobbyists, anyone. That's right. You could have uh, people going to resorts around the world that were cannabis specialist resorts, and they can go and chill out, and they can know their pizza is going to have some magic mushrooms on it if they want. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's Jamaica right there. they can't just <laughs> let us have pot and not let us have mushrooms. It's not very fair. But uh, would, it's going to take a little longer here, at least. Well, definitely the other way around. <laughs> you can't let somebody have mushrooms and not have pot. That's, that's true. That's, that's, that's for sure. That's, that's, like, that's like torture right there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hate not having weed when I'm, when I'm on mushrooms. Like, uh, oh, this is not good. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I can focus on. So you you alluded to the uh, story of Shishkaberry, which uh, is not – I don't think it's that out there. Let's can you, can you tell that story for us? Well, I can tell you what I know. The uh, There was two mothers I picked up. From a friend that had been getting cuttings from me for a while, and then he came back and says, "I've got a couple of Afghani sisters. You should try it. One's a cross, and one's a straight Afghani, or something." He wasn't. He wasn't even sure. He just said they're called the red and yellow, and he gave me these two plants. And I did a you know comparison room. I always had a comparison crop going, like every in one location. That was all I did was just kept starting new crops to compare things, and they stood up on their own. They were heavy heavy plants that were frosty and they had the very affy mulching leaf smell which i don't really love in grass but it makes such nice hash those plants like it came off really would get black and sticky like really really black and just had a real great flavor of of afghani so when i was doing the the sweet tooth and plum bud and blue domino a couple other ones 
because I only ever used this one blueberry mail in 95. And it was an incredible blueberry mail. And it was from uh, DJ Short. It wasn't downstream that way. But it was a resinous mail. And it wasn't a big plant. But the buds were absolutely dark, dark purple. And they were covered in this chromatic resin. So it looked like little ball bearings. Like it was really shiny and metallic looking resin. I'd never seen anything like it. And it smelled like blueberry jam. And I actually clipped this compact top off it and smoked it in a bong because it was so delicious like blueberry jam and heady. It was totally strong too. But after I clipped that top off it, I would put it in uh, my selection rooms where I had a bunch of clones of all my favorite five females at the time and said, I'm going to let all these just get dusted with this. So I had two lines that we just mixed together for shishkaberry. And that came out. So there was the red and yellow line. And the yellow one was a little taller, pointier, and frostier. And the red one was a little more compacted, rounded, and fatter, you know? And uh, they were just really, uh, every plant's a compromise, you know? Whether it's like if you're building a sailboat, you have a racing sailboat, you can have a cruising sailboat, but anything in between, you've compromised one way or the other, right? It's the same with the strains. You can have the big one or the strong, tasty one. So when you're selling seeds for people that are growing, they want an easy plant to grow. Sweet Tooth was, I consider a beginner herb. Like, it's just so easy to grow. And the shishkaberry was like that, too. Just any novice could pull out bats with it, you know? <laughs> it was easy to grow. And I found the thing I love best about the shishkaberry and the thing I like best about growing seeds was I never sold a resin gland that I grew, I kept all the resin glands. I just sold the seeds. And that was what I really loved was the hash. And making shishkaberry hash blew me away because it would yield three times more hash than the next closest strain. Like it was just in a league of its own, really huge gland heads. So you'd get uh, way more layers of screens with glands on it. It was bizarre. It was actually bizarre that you would have like 120 that would just, even the 190, 160, still full melt, but the glands were just huge. So the shishkaberry was just a true hash plant. I know a lot of people like smoking it as bud, but it never grew on me as bud because I didn't like the sort of mulching leaves, Afghani taste. I just don't, Afghani uh, doesn't have the heady aromas and flavors of sativas or even other indicas. They just find it so earthy on its own as grass, it's kind of dull. With a little blueberry in there, mind you, that was the berry on the beef, you know? So I was picturing shish kebabs, you know, with berries, with blueberries and beef and a big shish kebab. <laughs> but yeah, for a hash plant, it's unequal, you know? Yeah, sure. That's great. That's, that's a great... You, do you have any other strain stories for us? Well, nothing specific. I guess uh, there was a plum bud was in the same room, and that was with uh, South Indian Corolla. So that was the, the same blueberry on a Corolla, and it had very plum, almost like lickum sticks. Hmm. You know, it had that candied plum kind of taste. So what are the yeah. traits of the Corolla? i got to ask. I just, I just got 100 Corolla seeds back from, from that region, and I'm oh, so curious what to look for. 
Yeah, they they have a, a very nice, distinct smell like baby orange aspirin. You know, the baby aspirin. Sure, I'm very familiar. We're with talking right about now, aspirin actually, a lot yeah. today, yeah. but uh, they, I just love it. It's not strong pot. I don't, you know, it's not an intense pot. But it has a really nice, and that's one of the reasons I'm sure there's no plum butt around anymore. It just wasn't that strong. It smelled great and it tasted great, but it just wasn't enough compared to the other ones beside it, which were also just chunkier and more diamond encrusted, you know? Sure. So people went with the obvious bag appeal over how, how nice a flavor and aroma one would be generally. That was the same story when we did a joint project line between DJ Short and I. We did... Uh, one of the ones we put out was rosebud. And that was one of my favorite little plants. And it was a really unique little flow selection that made the top that looked like a rose. All the bottoms of the leaves were very reddish, more so than purple. Hmm. And they clustered up and they looked like a rose on top. And the top bud would just be like two calyxes. You'd have to go down a few to actually start getting some little golf ball nugs. But they were... They weren't even golf balls. They were smaller than that. They were, it was such a, like, just a miserable yielding plant, but it tasted like you were smoking straight Nepalese hash. It just had an amazing flavor, and it looked like a rose. And I was so, so set on, you know, I would be happy to just do massive fields of this because it tastes so awesome. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's a baseball bat bud. You know, it's what's in the jar at the end, right? And it was so delicious. But the yield, would, people would be like, what? You know, I don't want to get 60 grams of a square meter. I want to get 300 grams of square meter, you know? So you'd never sell seeds of these ones. Sure. Only a few people would want to try that, you know? Yeah, well, but, now, but, now, now with the extracts. Now people don't mind because they could just, they don't, you know, they have some places that are doing unlimited plant counts and extracts and things like that. And so That's right. No, when there's unlimited plant counts and you can just plant it by the, by big space. Then it's okay, you know, because the small yield, I think that's what I'd like to see more um, focus, and, and I think it'll happen, because I think you know, people will go for cheaper and cheaper grass, and there will be a price drop. Whether dispensary owners are happy with that or not, I've seen it already. Like, where it becomes legal, it will be a buck a gram before you know it. So. The, uh, <laughs> the trick is, can we do rosin for a buck a gram? That's what I'd like to see. But the... Uh, but with the bud price dropping, there will, at the same time, there'll be people go, oh, I'm sick of how average all the grass is now. Nobody tries because it's so cheap. It's not worth trimming well or finishing or, you know, do, do flushing it well, whatever their problem is. People will be taking shortcuts because they go, ah, it's just cheap now anyway. But there's always going to be people that say, I don't care. I'd pay a 300 bucks an ounce again to have something special, you know? Sure. As soon as that happens, and that's happening then there's going to be a market for the boutique grower. And it's the difference between Malls and Monte Cristos, you know? Most people are going to have their cigarettes, and some people are going to just say, I'm holding out for a Monte Cristo, you know? And that's okay. It's, there's going to be both ends of the market. It's inevitable, right? It's uh, the same as with wine, the same as with tobacco. They're flavorful intoxicants. It is not going to fall far from the tree. So some questions in uh, chat room about artificial seed in, uh, in regards to, I don't know anything about artificial seed, but. Uh, yeah, this, uh, what's their question about? Uh, I, what, why don't you teach us about it? What, what you know about it? It's called somatic embryogenesis, and it's when you're doing calus culture. So 
calyx is the little white bump at the bottom of your stem when your clone's just about to root. Sure. You know? So you can scrape those calyxes off into um, a medium, a sterile medium, and replicate them that way. So they're growing, you're growing the roots before you're even growing the plant, mm-hmm. you know? And then you've got to induce green growth on top and have it uh, trip over and start being green. And then you'll start get something going out. So what you can do, um, and in other applications with other plants, this has been done for quite a long time, is you, you're basically growing these little calluses in solution. And those can get minced up. So you can have a hell of a lot of calluses in solution. And they might be in basically like a waterbed, a clear waterbed on a seesaw. So this big ocean is just moving sideways so it doesn't just sit still. Sure. And there'll be a pump siphoning out those little bits and you'll have LEDs over them. So you might change the light spectrum even to trick them into starting to make the green growth, right? So once those little balls start growing a little uh, tip, they can be uh, selected through a pump that they're constantly... This pump is pulling a straw of water out of there all the time, and it's got a little eye that sees if it's the if the plantlet is ready or not. If it's not, it'll divert back into the tank. If it's ready, it'll get dropped out and encapsulated in a hardening solution. So it's a sodium alginate into calcium chloride, and that makes... It's like with molecular gastronomy where you're getting, you know, papaya pearls or something. It's the same thing. So the the uh, little capsules have a tiny plant in it. It's a tissue culture method. It's just a way of encapsulating tissue culture, basically. Right. So that's what's got interesting these little it. tiny plants. But the problem is you can keep them dormant in the fridge, but only so long. They do want to grow. So it's not, like with seeds, you can lay them down for years on end, throw them in the freezer and get them out 20 years later, right? With the uh, with the uh, artificial seeds, you'd have to pretty much have them going out on demand. You couldn't stockpile a bunch forever, unless, you know, unless something new is learned that will allow us to do that. But it's extremely helpful for mass propagation, whether we ever sold one or not, just to go and plant our own fields, if I need 100 million seeds of something, yeah. I can make an exact replica and just be like putting out 100 million clones, except they'll be able to spread from a tractor, <laughs> you know? But they're interesting for sure. Have you played with it at all in actuality, or right now it's just theoretical for you? Um, we've got a little testing lab that's got some going on. If you if you came up for a visit, I'd take you to see. Nice. That's, that's a, cool. That's I don't even know if we can get into Canada. Can we get into Canada, Adam? Uh, I had a hard time last time. I probably gave <laughs> me a hard time. <laughs> I had a hard time. I didn't even have a show last time. Now I have the show, so they probably hate me even more. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, once you're a podcaster. I haven't been to the U.S. since um, probably '94, I think. Wow. Yeah. You know you're on a list, or you just don't want to come. No, I just, I just don't know. I think, <laughs> like, I, think I would get a hassle because um, I have family 
visit, like immediate family, and they get questioned about me sometimes. So I just said, yeah, 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 it's not worth the hassle, you know? Right. No, no. Although no. any other place in the world, you know. And up until recently, it wasn't a, it wasn't probably a big deal. Now it's probably like kind of bummery. It's like, damn, all my friends are all hanging out at this place. Like, there's so yeah, many, now it's starting to go off to there. Like, there's yeah, so many events I'm, going on and things happening. Course, so. I've never seen a lot of uh, the West Coast or lots of the states. I've seen I've been to the states quite a bit when I was younger, but more on the other side. Yeah, I've pretty much seen up and down the East Coast and a little bit of the West Coast, but not much. I mean, I definitely owe it to myself. To no, check it's out a, and I mean, now with, with the mentality the way it is, I mean, it's it, it's a different place for sure, you know. Yeah. Well, I, it, it, I'm sure the time will come where it's all, all is, uh, you know, released. Everybody's easy. It'll be fine on both sides and they just won't have any reason to hassle people over their appreciation of a plant. So th- that would make it worthwhile then i would be happy to go <laughs> you know absolutely yeah uh that's kind of how we feel about canada i feel like it's ridiculous you know both our fucking leaders admit to smoking it's also weird because and, and, it's, it's, and it's been like that before you know we've had other presidents and prime ministers admitted to smoking and they would freely visit each other yet when we try and visit each other they make it a fucking headache right it's a weird like virtual berlin wall yeah, people don't uh, even know the virtual Berlin Wall. A virtual Berlin Wall. That's my deep thought of the episode. There you go. You All right, to, before you pass this out. Before, well, we're at two thirty-six, man. We got, we got, you know, nine, nine to sixteen minutes left with Steve, and then we're rolling in a wrap-up. I think I might rally. So, <laughs> so Steve, are, where, where are you at with uh, putting out seed? Is that in your immediate plans? You know, I. I'm totally undecided. It's not in my immediate plans for sure, but I'm even undecided if I ever will put out seeds again. Uh, if there's a possibility to actually go from growing to direct sales, then it would be really neat to have new stock that was exclusive, and the only way to get it was as finished product. That being said, I appreciate the home grower so much, having been one my whole life, that I... I think I always have to have some new lines to put out for the home grower because I'm sure that, uh, you know, even the thing is there's so many seed companies doing it now and there's lots of great stuff out there. I honestly think, you know, it's not like they need me to do it. There's tons out there, you know? I mean, as you were kind of saying before, there's a lot of genetic variety out there. There's not there a lot of there's stability. There's never, or been, there's never been more in the history of the world. Like no, the access sure. today's grower has to genetics is you can get anything, but you can't and get anything stable. Is the is the no? The that's catch. right. But most of them stability is a non-issue because they're not breeding with it themselves. They're just going to take a cutting and use it for twenty years. So. And that's great. If that if that's a cutting that they love enough to keep for 20 years, that's a beautiful thing, you know. And so I could come out with some new stuff for release, but I'm not I'm not promising anything anytime soon. No I'm problem. not ruling it out, but I'm not endeavoring to do it right now. I've got, uh, got my eyes set on a different method, you know, where you can actually try what I've grown. Sure. I've never been able to do that before. I would like to know I could supply my own clubs or whatever with exactly my product, you know, not bought back from other growers or something and really just 
the buck stops here kind of quality control and just do it right and make it ultra affordable and uh, just have a lot of fun with seeing and putting the smiles on people's faces. I mean, I know how happy I'd be if I could go into a shop and buy varietal rosin for 25 bucks an ounce. You know, okay, I'll take, give me an ounce of each, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'd be happy until it's time to pay the mortgage. <laughs> well, not if you're doing it in a field, right? right? If you're doing it on a big scale, it's pretty much a byproduct of the rest of the stuff you're doing. So it's costing next to nothing. Even if you're putting it out for thirty cents a gram, you'd still be making millions. It's uh, it's gonna move. It, the price you know now is out of a horticultural scenario, and that's gonna be a lot different than when it's coming out of an agricultural scenario. Oh, for sure. That's, I mean, and, and the whole like, difference is about the what, like we talked about earlier. Well, not earlier about this show, but earlier in another show is about the once once it's a federally accepted, and you can go from you can send from state to state. It'll be like, you know, then central California become, if they don't run out of water first, central California becomes the sort of epicenter. And just like it is with all the other agriculture right now. So that it's going to be hard to compete, you know, you'll be like, okay, well, it could be right across Iowa, you know, it's big fields, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's unlike, you know, there's uh, other regions that will be, be, have their own microclimates that are awesome too, but when it comes to just scale, it, it, once things get scaled out, it's like okay, well, you know, how are you going to compete with? They, you know, you're doing your five thousand acre farm, and they're doing a fifty thousand acre farms, and you're like, that's okay. right. No, I mean, at, at some level, it's, but that's the level where we get rosin that cheap, and it's nobody's going to be suffering as a result of it. It's going to be. Uh, I'd love to see rosin the price of craft singles. <laughs> so are the kids. Rosin you know the price of craft singles. That's where that's where it's gotta go. We gotta slap those slabs like that, you know? But it's a continual pressing is certain. And those are and those are probably getting like twenty thousand percent profit margin on those and on craft singles, you know, still. Yeah. After, that's that's after everything. No, I I mean I think as far as the the pressing technology, you know, we were talking to an engineer friend of ours who imagined this big belt thing, the belt press he called it, you know, and then people were talking about all sorts of different orientations for it or or different ways to contain it to make it more efficient. You know, rosin the the bottleneck is in the pressing efficiency and that's It'll be a belt press too. That's what I'm going to say. It'll be a belt press. That's what we're scaling up for the large the design large designs we put in. Sure, because it's a continual process. See, the kid is the kid is doubtful of the belt press, and let, let's give you some background since you don't listen to the show. Uh, you know, the kids will call him a first generation. You know, he's it's he's of the newest generation of professional cannabis folk, so he he doesn't have necessarily a lot of the history. That's why we call him the kid. But he's really skeptical of the belt press. But he he's a huge advocate of rosin, as you heard before. Okay, so I, oh yeah, the rosin rocks. Uh, uh-huh. I'm not I'm not necessarily. First, I had to have the argument with Mitch that cold plates aren't going to work because, I mean, I guess with enough... No, not the cold plates, not the cold plates, like on a laminator. Right, big... right. So I had the argument with him. That's what happened first. Did it with a laminator back, back in Amsterdam. Back in my, no, my turf, no. You know, Mitch was saying originally, how come you just can't have cold plates and squeeze it real hard? No, 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 I didn't say cold plates. You in did. that case... You did. That's a that's something that you couldn't do with a belt press. The idea of, like... But the belt press would have to be heated, right? But, yeah. So if you heated the belt press, essentially... I mean, I, I could I could see the rollers working if you did it right. 
it would just be more difficult than just applying direct force to something. I also think the up and down motion of a press is like the vertical motion of a press is not where it's at. I think all of the future presses are going to be horizontal. I think a vertical press right now is making not only processing difficult but collection difficult as well. Um, but no, I'm, I'm not. I don't say I'm not an. I, I don't believe. I'm not skeptical of the roller press. I just think if, the, if it has rollers, it would have to be done really, really correctly. Yeah, Plus, it's going to be. It's going to be modified from existing designs because you have. There's. You've got to have a couple other rolls because you've got to have the screen, two screen layers, right? That sandwich the stuff and then the backing for them, and then those that backing catches, ones. Yeah. They're not going to be parchment paper, but the same idea where the parchment paper goes. Those will go by um, cold scraper to flake everything off before it comes back, and it'll just continually loop around. So it'll just be that's that's on, it. it'll just be snowing frozen rosin dripping off that paper all that's, day and night as long as that press runs. It never has to stop between batches. It just runs continually. That's essentially exactly what our engineer friend envisioned. So it's it's good to know. Yeah, that that's smart the people that's the way. The same way. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. That's that's good stuff. Uh, we have uh, five more minutes or so with you, Steve. Um, anything else you want to share with the audience? I mean, it's great to have you communicating with us. It's awesome. For a shout out to our buddy Nelson who connected us with you uh, via Instagram. We're not really uh, prowling the Instagram world. We do our best to try to be plugged in, but uh, no, it's it's wonderful to connect with you and bring you to our listeners. Uh, you know, I'll tell you what, I was uh, happy to be asked, and I was really. When I had a look at your uh, site, I was really impressed with the hoodlums. You know, I've seen my friends wearing hoodlums for years. I think they're awesome jackets. But I was so impressed to see that you're working with uh, Sea Shepherd because that's a great organization, you know, and I really. Uh, nice. Yeah, we've been they, we, doing, you know. Yeah, we've been doing that since like 2009 when they came yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, Paul Watson's a brave man for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the ocean's so important to us all. Like, it's literally. If it dies, we're gone, right? That's it. Sure. But you don't have a second one, <laughs> you know? And it's such a disaster when you see what's happening with pollution in the world. And it's another reason people should really grow organic and, if possible, buy organic. Yes, but I don't even, even that sometimes is sketchy to say because there's lots of garbage gets through it, I think, as far as the, what's labeled organic. But as far as you grow your own, you know it is, you know, and you're not poisoning the planet. Uh, it's just a great idea. Don't be flushing your reservoirs down the drain if you've got chem newts in them. If you've got organic ones, you're generally not putting them down the drain. You're just putting them into the plants, and that's it, you know? Yeah, for sure. And uh, the other thing, I mean, that's, a, that's like what back in Holland was the biggest penalty that you could get was the, was the dumping of the nutrients. You know, like if they came in... The, they were pretty wise to the idea of like, you know, okay, so how are you growing? You're growing hydro, ooh, you know, let's see what you're doing. And if you kept it all in a tank and you could show where, you know, you weren't just having it as free running, running down the drain, which most people there do. But that was actually a bigger penalty than the growing part. Oh, that's, that's yeah. better, you know? Yeah, they were well, they were very eco-minded at one point. Now I'm sure it's not If you start same. controlling that type of thing, you know, and that's not so much for the home grower, which is still going to be a lot of people. But I think with commercial growers, if people are getting a license to sell pot to people, I don't think, A, I don't think you should need a license. But if you do, it shouldn't be onerous to get. 
But the only condition of having it should be that you're subjected to random testing and sampling to prove that you're not using toxic additives, you know, and and preferably to be growing organic because there's no excuse not to. If you like growing in water, aquaponics is so delicious. And whether you're growing it for yourself or selling it, having the best tasting product can be worth more than having the heaviest one, you know? So if you want to go gourmet, you got to grow aquaponics inside. It's so nice. You really get the varietal flavor of whatever cultivar you're trying. And there's so little background from the the medium and nutrient because it's growing in rocks with this super light sweet water from an aquarium or pond. It's just the gentlest, smoothest smoke. It's so, so uh, pleasing to have well-grown aquaponic grass. And most people have never tried that yet. So I think, I think that's, uh, even though it's an old thing, it's a great new thing if you're new to it. You even just try a little section for yourself to convince yourself, you know, if you've got the grow going on. Try one plant that way. You know, you don't have to spend a lot to do an aquaponics system. You and you never have to drain the reservoir. I just had a constant fill, a float valve on it that you'd have in a trough for your livestock. And that was hooked up to a garden hose. And that reservoir ran for three years just being topped up. And yeah. no nudes added. We fed, the, we fed the fish a lot every day, a lot of other fish. And even things like cheeseburgers that drop in the reservoir and watch the Oscars tear it down in a minute. You know, it was hilarious. It was way more fun. You spend more time looking at your reservoir than your room. And if your reservoir is healthy, your room's always healthy. So that's good. But it's way more fun and it's way easier because all you had to do was pull the plants out of rocks and replant. You know, you're not carrying amendments around and you're not buying them. It was really, really easy. And then what were you, had, what were you feeding for sources of uh, your phosphorus and potassium? I know a lot, of, a few people have tried aquaponics. Fancy guppies. I think those colorful uh-huh. fancy guppies. I think they have some phosphorus. In so that's it's about varying your your inputs to the fish, yeah. and then you're that, using you Oscars. Different. I'd give them some different frozen food, but I had an excellent source of live fish, so I fed them mostly guppies and goldfish. Okay. But there was all kinds of stuff in there, including a lot of algae eaters. You could get away just with algae eaters and light. Like you put a 400 watt over a 90 gallon aquarium, the thing will be turning green before you know it. And as those suckers start eating on it, they're sucking it away. And that water is so easily absorbed by the plants as it flows into the room, they just suck it up and the roots grow just as fast as they do in any water garden. Like they just drop into big brooms in no time, right? It's just gorgeous to see that much root under one bud. And <laughs> you know you're going to have a bat there because there's so much root to support that one bud. So I love the deep, your aeroponic. Mostly I did an aeroponic, but they were kind of hybrid systems. I whipped the, the mesh pots. I had two ropes making four tails that would go down to the drain water. So they, if the drippers on top stopped or the misters stopped, that they were still wicking up a puddle. And it never was an issue because the misters were on a different cycle than the drip. So it was really covered. There were different pumps and different water sources um, on the return. 
the return fed the drippers. So when that return pump was pumping water into the aquarium, it was also running the drip lines on top of the plants. So it was uh, just constantly getting a little trickle or a spray or something. And they just, they just grew madly. And But the flavor of the grass was really the big thing that was just so stunning how clean it burnt because the ash would be white. It would not be crunchy gray or black and the joint wouldn't taste starry halfway through. The first and last toke would taste the same. And that's a miracle. You don't taste many joints where the end of the joint still tastes as good as the beginning of the joint. For sure. That's a lot more satisfaction in grass that's grown to that quality and not overfed. When it's overfed, it's going to show up in the color of the ash usually. Yeah, it's like the first indicator. That's right. Sometimes even when you think weed's good, you're like, oh, wait a minute, but look at this ash. It's kind of shitty. Yeah, like, you're like, oh. Looks to be deceiving, you know? It's like yeah, you can yeah. see a beautiful bag of blood, but until you actually but, light it up, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. that burns well. That's nice. Yeah. If like it that. doesn't burn well, it's like, oh, my God, what are you people doing? But they're not smoking that for, they're not growing that for themselves. They're growing it to sell it. And that's why you have to grow your own if you like pot. Because you've never been truly high until you've smoked the pot you've grown. You've been stoned before, but you haven't really been lifted high, you know? True, true, true. So I just think, you know, people have to realize the people that are selling pot are not the people growing it for themselves. And those are the people that take the most care. Be one of those people. You know, commerce and pot is almost sad, you know? It should just be growing in ditches. Like, we should have plenty of pot just by virtue of default. Like, it's not a question of give me a license to grow six plants. Like, oh, thank you, Master. You know, that's crazy. People in communities in the Himalayas, they would hand rub as they walked through the village, and it was a bad form for them to pick a bud. Yeah. But to rub a, rub a handful of hash is a public right, you know? It's not even, can I rub some of your plants? It's just like, hey, let's sprinkle seeds around all the sidewalks. And when you're walking around, you can just rub all you want. Yeah. You know? It's like eating oranges in California, kid. Yeah, you, you, can just, you can <laughs> just grab you it. it. You're allowed to. When you, once you start putting dollar signs on it, it almost starts sucking the life out of it. It's so beautiful on its own in a non-commercial setting where you're just growing it because it's beautiful and you want to have that for yourself to to taste the sunshine all through the winter, you know, you want to put down your crop and that's way more satisfying than walking into a shop and buying it in a package to me. But I think it's a great novelty for people to be able to walk into a shop and buy some and hopefully they'll develop enough of a, a palate for it that they think, yeah, I should try doing this myself, you know, this yeah. is fun. Yeah, and it, I think, it, it'll just become more and more normal all over. I mean, that's the thing. Is that's right. Yeah, the normalization of cannabis is, you know, they're still looking at it from a position of fear that they have to punitively tax it because it's a sin or, you know, it's just asinine. It's like, get over it already. And it's like air, let us have it. Leave us alone, you know. <laughs> it, anything that's natural is our natural right. You know, the, the supremacy of nature I can't endorse any religion, but I could be a pantheist because I believe nature is sacred. And that is it. The dogma from all the religions, you can have it. I don't want it, you know. 
I just believe our nature is sacred, and no government has any jurisdiction over legislating extinction of a species. Then I've got a problem, you know. That's not right. Uh, so, Steve, I, I want to let you know, uh, we're, we are winding down, but you broke the record, man. We had 180 uh, live people in the chat room for your for this episode, which is the most simultaneous viewers we've had. Uh, the system, unfortunately, tends to cut people off when it gets over 150. So uh, I'm sure those people will be watching it on replay. But you have been officially our, our most popular guest to date. So we're definitely bringing you back if you'll if you'll well, have thanks us. Thanks, I really appreciate everybody that uh, took the time to listen to this old stoner ramble. Uh, uh, we all it's always it. a pleasure. Well, no, thank, for sure, for thank sure. you, sir. And, and that was Mitch, by the way, before. So. Yeah, we're we're both here. Just, just yes. so you know. Okay. It's hard to tell. So, uh, and we'll do the uh, where, where, when, who, what. Where, when, who, what, on what. Well, where to reach them, where to find if Yeah, where can, how can people get a hold of you? Obviously, Breeder Steve on Instagram. Yeah, that's the only place I'm really uh, active at all right now. I'm not on any of the forums. I really haven't been doing, I haven't been in the scene at all, really, in 10 years, pretty much, right? So the, uh, I just made an Instagram account like a few months ago in the spring, and that's been fun reconnecting and, and seeing what's happening out there, to see all the, the new players and the new things in the different states where you've got, you know, processors and growers and dispensaries and medibles and seeing the evolution of it down there and, and learning from uh, regulation there, what's working, what's not, so that we can hopefully have some improvement applying that up here in a sensible manner. But, uh, it's, it's fascinating. Great to reconnect. You know, I, when I went on Hash Church last Sunday, and it was neat because I was seeing people I hadn't talked to in 12 years, and, or people that I didn't know and were new to me, but really nice to meet. So there's so many passionate people out there. It's a, it's a hoot. Well, it's one certainly wonderful to be able to bring you to people, Steve, and, and we're going to be in touch with you um, I'm sure. I'm sure Adam will be in touch. This is Mitch. I'll be in touch with you, uh, and we'll, we're looking forward to bringing you back, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Right on. You guys have a great afternoon. Take care, you too, man. Okay. Bye bye. How about that? We got to do some shout outs, and we got to get out of here. Kid, ready on the way to grow? Wait, ready on the way to grow. Bum, 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 bum. Ready on the way to grow. Ready on the way to grow. <laughs> okay, hey, pull the trigger, boom. Pull the trigger. Big, big shout out to Way to Grow, number one sponsor, bringing you this conversation with Breeder Steve and every other conversation we have with legends and men of mystery and the, you know, interesting putting the kid to sleep folks we talk to. Um, Right now, they got their Black November sale going on. They got Hygrozyme on sale. They got Earthworm Castings on sale. If you, but they if you go to the store, they got everything whole on sale, bunch right? Stuff. Everything. Not everything, but there's a lot of stuff. There's stores all over Colorado. Uh, wherever you live, there's probably one close to you. And in all of them, if you say Adam Dunn Show uh, during yeah. checkout, you exactly. will get 25% off. I'll hook you the hell up. Hook you up. And, kid, what do they have there? Candy. Oh, candy, yeah. candy, candy, candy. 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 Kind of. What, and what kind do they have right now? Well, they had Kit Kats last time I was there. Good job. Good job. I'm glad you Which glad you. I, I guess they're listening because you complained about the lack of candy and they came back they came and back fixed and it all for you, it, right? Yeah. They went in there. You know what? We're going to go supreme on this kid. The kid. 
Nick but, appreciates it too. He he knows what's up when he goes in there. He runs right to the counter and wants to grab. And a uh, big big shout out, of course, to Incredibles Edibles, our favorite edibles. Pretty much anyone who eats edibles on the market in Colorado's favorite edibles. Yeah, yeah it's a pretty it's unanimous. And uh, right now they have this awesome pumpkin uh, flavor as. Most companies out there in the food world have their pumpkin something going on. Pumpkin something. Is it better than most of them? It's damn good, dude. <laughs> damn good. I was impressed. It's got that grit to it, like a little gritty background, which I like. It's not all like, yeah, melty. Right, right, right. I got you. A little texture to the chocolate. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah, like it's that. Got yeah, that yeah, texture. Yeah. Oof. Um, Firebear is my other favorite. Sorry, it's, it's just what I like. Spicy. 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 Uh, and I had, had a little bit of Makiba bar the other day, too. <laughs> the Makiba's pretty good. I'm sneezing. I need food. I'm sneezing. Oh, my God. This guy. Uh, yeah, I can't talk about food around him right around this time of show. So we'll move on over to the elite, I think, right? Build the soil? Oh, no. I don't know. You never know. Oh, build the soil. We have so many sponsors, but we have four. I can't keep it. I can't keep it. <laughs> I can't keep. I can't keep the order. Big big shout out to Build the Soil, bringing us last week's episode and many episode uh, top rated episodes in the past. <laughs> oh my god! I'm allergic to the mic. I don't know what's going on. Uh oh, Kate, what did you do this mic? Check them out at buildthesoil.com. Uh, find everything you need to grow organically at home. Uh, even to stop buying things, you know, uh, grow your own nutrients, make your own teas. Uh, grow your own worms, keep your own worm farms. It's all there at buildthesoil.com. And of course, great material in the blog there to educate you on some ongoing projects that Jeremy's always got. Uh, of course, big, big shout out also to Dark Horse Genetics. Kid on the ones and twos. Dark Horse Genetics, ones and twos. Go, kid. Go, kid. All right. And uh, Dark Horse Genetics. What do they got going on? What do they, what they got going on? It's, yeah. the, it's all about the archive seed packs and the seed bank at Jaw Farm right now. You go online, uh, click the Jaw Farm that. link on the bottom right. right there, there is archive seed. Uh, kid, click on it. What do they got from archive right now on Jaw Farm? I know it was the newest drop. I know he sold a bunch of it, but there's still a bunch left. That's what everyone was excited about over in Dark Horse World. What do you got? What do you got? Sour Diesel Memory Loss. The Stink Bomb, which is the East Coast Sour Diesel versus the Cat Piss. The Code Blue. Um, Malawi Northern Lights Haze Cross to the Memory Loss. The Memory Loss itself. Amnesia BX1. The Pacific Northwest Dog Shit Cross to the Memory Loss. The Valley Girl. Uh, Mr. Dank Golden Ticket. That's the Golden Goat Face Off uh, Cross, which is definitely dank. All those are in stock right now. Uh, you can get there at jawfarm.com, J-A-H-farm.com, or go right through the darkhorsegenetics.com site. Uh, it's linked there as well. Uh, of course, big, big shout-out to our friends at Elite Cannabis, uh, marysnutritionals.com. Uh, can't tell you enough. All the CBD products that you would need, uh, you know, the pure CBD where you're looking for in a uh, generally in a seizure situation or if you have a cancer situation and the person has a reliable source of THC because weirdly enough in, in illegal states it's easier to have a source of THC and you're just looking to mix some CBD in uh, I would suggest marriagenutritionals.com uh, it's not Chinese grown hemp it's grown right here in Colorado it's grown up the road in Loveland I, I've been to the farm probably four times now uh, some of the most professional, f- cleanest facilities, uh, implements, uh, staff, everyone just knows what they're doing. 
Um, it's it's really top class stuff, and it's available nationwide right now at marysnutritionals.com. And with that note, personal shout outs, kid, take it away. Uh, shout outs to everybody at Dark Horse Facility. Happy Thanksgiving. I probably won't see you guys till Friday. So Jason, Colin, Corey, all the guys, uh, Tanner, Gannon, AU Extracts. Uh, shouts to Brittany, uh, my beautiful girlfriend, and the dogs upstairs, Kilo and Duke. Crazy pups. Kilo's doing better, though. No cancer, and his skin's all healed, so. Shouts, and the mom and dad, I guess. Uh, Man, you got a lot of shouts this week. This is the holiday shouts. Wow. Yeah, holiday shots. Uh, is it already holiday sh- shots? Yeah, it is holiday shots. To, to Shane and Mrs. Medicine in California. I know they're listening. Congrats on your uh, best innovative product for 2015 nomination. And uh, Rufio Craft here in Colorado. All right. So slow down with your shots. Jesus Christ. Holiday shots all day. I don't. I, I can't even do that. I, I get all holiday like around holiday and go forget about it. Forget about it. Uh, shout out to Ace out of the farm. And Kyle, hopefully, swinging through, and a few other people. Keeping it kind of easy this year. Um, shout out to my beautiful wife, Cece, of course, and uh, little Nick, tearing it up. Can't wait to go down to Grandma's. We're going. We're heading down to Grandma's. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna make some. Uh, I'm gonna make some uh, cyber turkey. Cyber turkey. I'm gonna. I'm gonna document it. Nice. I, I might post it. Might make it to that Undunchow group. Maybe. No, no, maybe. It's starting point. But it's not, it's not cannabis. I'm not going to put... I don't care. It's Adam Duncho related. People okay. know of the cyber, cyber turkey. turkey. All right. Well, whatever. Uh, and uh, shout out to my cousin there, Pat. Pat built a fucking... Pat went really Christmassy this year. He went and... he. I got him this job uh, for... Was it Pixar too? I think it is Pixar. And it's uh, down at the uh, Littleton mall he you got built, clout with pixar like that he built yeah well i met this people at a show and then they they <laughs> asked me if i knew anybody here and i was all yeah i got the perfect guy for you and uh they built like a whole village christmas village out of leds oh that's cool so it's got to be like at his pixar so you know you're gonna be walking through like Rah! so cool. i gotta get the inside scoop on that so nice. pat make it happen make that shit happen um, shout out to the rest of the family, of course. I'll have to give. I'm gonna have to give a call to everybody to Uncle Al, and yeah, Uncle Chuck, and I'll have them call in one time. <laughs> well, we definitely gotta do the Adams get, growing up stories. Yeah, you can get all of them. Yes, 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 yes. all the weed stories. Um, and uh, yeah, happy holidays to everybody. Was see you next week, next see us. Wait, shout outs. I got to give my shout outs. No. <laughs> Kids cutting it off. Yeah, kid, relax. Uh, shout outs, of course. Oh, big shout out to Crunchy. It's good to see Crunchy in the oh, chat yeah, room. I'm in the chat. So it's weird to do a Thanksgiving episode without the Crunch. No. We need Crunchy back. Crunch. We miss you, Crunchy. Crunch. Yeah, the we kid, miss you, kid, Crunchy. Mostly the kid misses you. If you want to see Crunchy back on the Adam Dunn show, send an email to ryan at extractedcolorado.com. Now I'm gonna get a bunch of ridiculous dick pics and shit. Stop. <laughs> oh now, oh, you oh, just now, gave now, me now one. company email. Give oh, shit out. don't don't give that out and don't send dick pics. Don't send dick pics. Whatever you do, don't give it out unless it's for rosin production in Colorado. Thank you. If you can, or make, California or other states. What if they make rosin there. with their dick? Is that possible? <laughs> well, I saw the Chuck Norris tech recently of just Chuck Norris squeezing the nug and it drips out Matt Ross. No. So I'm sure if his dick was heavy enough, it could probably work. Slap. Two guys slapping Slap him together. Slap it up. I bet Crunchy's <laughs> super proud of that one. So shout outs to Crunchy on that. Of course, shout outs uh, to my brother Aaron, who's coming over for Thanksgiving. Uh, Brother-in-laws Keenan and Rylan, who are playing with 
little baby Farron, uh-huh. and of course, remarkable wife Reese cooking up a Thanksgiving feast. Uh, oh, yeah. Big shout out to Joel, too, I forgot. And down the at the farm. Nice. Yeah, down. Joel. My little Joel. Noah, Ashley. Little Ashley, Joel, yep. They, they live 20 minutes away from the farm now, so it's awesome. Nice. Yep. All right. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. And I think we're going to cook up. What do you want to see? More genetics? We'll do more genetics, I think. Sounds good. Sounds good. Something All right, that. guys. We'll All see right. you next week. Peace.